Start smacking your lips and we're twins. <laughs> I, I'm no comedian, but I, you got to find the funny when you're in sports, man, especially when you're a Seattle sports fan and, and baseball is your thing. You have to find the funny or you're going to be talking about awful baseball, you know, an hour a night, you know, 365 days a year and that would just be boring. And I we're agree. doing one of those days a year tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we're some of that. It's a, it's a prorated day like that or a preemptive. I don't know what mm-hmm. the right word is there. Jason's a writer. He can probably pick better than me. Um, but welcome to Bumfuzzle. My name is BRC yeah, and with me is a man who was not on the Mitchell Report because he has no juice is Aaron Kirby. I got plenty of juice. <laughs> I went and got a Diet rock star. <laughs> All right. Sack. I expect more because our phone All conversations right. were miserable today. And Aaron, I just want to tell you, we are abandoning ship tonight. We are not doing homework. We're not doing homework. We're not doing what are you doing. There's no ads. We want to spend as much time as we can to talk to our guest, Jason Churchill, prospect insider and editor at Hero Sports. Did I get that right? Um, you forgot all the stuff that tells people how actually awesome I am. That was just what I do. But what about what I do that's so very good that Aaron and, and you were like, hey, we got to have this guy on. What, what happened to all that? Yeah, I sent Chris, you a list. Do your homework, Chris. He had a writer. All right. <laughs> let, me go, let, me go, let me go pull up the Google Drive in complete panic right now. <laughs> Awesome. Well, no, Jason, that is correct. Thank you. Beautiful. Jason, we're so happy to have you. I mean, it's just the opportunity. I see you in, interact with people on Twitter all the time where you can find them at Prospect Insider. Um, and I'm just happy to be able to pick your brain for as long as you let us. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening to do sure. that. Sure. Can I ask a question here at sure. this, the start of this? Um, Aaron, a little bit ago, did you say diet rock star? <laughs> yeah, the sugar-free kind. <laughs> okay. Let. By the way, is this explicit? Because what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. It's like you're a. That's like a drink for a newcomer in Narcotics Anonymous. What do you? What do you? Seventy-five grams of sugar in the black can. I got okay. go the diet. The diet one. The white can. Are you still keto or what? Like why? Like I, otherwise, I don't understand. Yeah, I try to stay low carb. You know what I mean? Okay. Try to stay okay. low carb. I do understand Chris that because I do the same thing. So. Yeah, Chris yeah. is the keto boy right now. Chris has lost like thirty-five oh. pounds in like two days. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that you cut off your left leg. That's the route I went too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of carbs and methamphetamines either, so that's helpful. Also, and it curbs your appetite. It's great. <laughs> it does. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a whole thing. So I definitely wanted to get into fun stuff, but um, I actually got into a really heated debate today, and I definitely respect both of your opinions on this subject. Um, so I wanted to get this out of the way and then we can get to the fun stuff. I hope that's okay. I know I'm kind of blindsiding you guys right now, so I'm sorry, but what is your policy on leftovers in your house? You um, Like as in, does somebody have like ownership of them or? So today, let me give you some context. Today, I actually ran into a number of people that say, yes, they'll take the leftovers home, but they're too grossed out by them and they always end up throwing them away. Oh, so got, like home from a friend's house, home from dad, restaurant steaks or just restaurants. restaurants. Yeah. Okay. Friend's house. You name it. Just if you have a general policy, there are rule of thumb. Are you following anything? Or are you like me where you're pretty much a trash compactor and you're like, this isn't a weird color, so I'm going to eat it. <laughs> I'm not big on, on leftovers. And I think it's because I'm so, uh, I don't even know what the word is, finicky. 
Like I'm the guy who, if you sit down and have, you know, steak and fries with me or something, I'm going to eat all of the fries first before even looking at my steak. And then I'm going to eat all my steak before I move on to if there's some sort of vegetable or even something to drink. So I'm a very weird eater when it comes to uh, just sitting down and having a normal meal. Leftovers for me, I, I don't really do leftovers, but it's because... Now I'm tired of steak and fries. Now the next day I'm definitely not going to want steak and fries or leftover burger or leftover salad or whatever the leftovers might be, pasta. I'm not going to want that an hour later or 24 hours later, so there's no point in them. Fair. Aaron, do you have a rebuttal or are you in agreement with Jason? I will say leftover fries are among the worst thing. (laughs) Leftover potatoes can be rough. I I hear you on that. You can at all take them. (laughs) If I have something that carries well, I'll generally, I'll always take it from the restaurant. I live in downtown Chicago, so I deal with a lot of people looking for food. So most of the time I just take it and hand it off. That's generally what I do. It's oh. actually a good idea. Yeah, because usually this with got me, all I altruistic so and shit like well, no, out of the gate. I give away, don't get me wrong. I'm very greedy, and if yeah, there's okay. if there's some you good leftovers, be. I'm not tossing them out to the side. But if yes. there's like half an enchilada left, like like I'm not gonna. This isn't worth my time. Later, I'll, I'll give it away. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'll even eat it later that night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how like sad I am. Six. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm staying up late watching something. This ninth inning is going long. I'm going to heat up this fried rice and go. You so. know, there's one, there's one exception for me, though. Dessert. Like, like you go out somewhere and somebody has, like, really good cheesecake or something. I'm probably only going to eat a little bit of that at the restaurant. And then while I'm up working at 1 a.m., I'm going to be like, hey, I got cheesecake downstairs. Exactly. Exactly. Are you one of those people that holds back? Because, like, if I'm around people. <laughs> no. I'll, like, well, here's the thing. I'll <laughs> nibble on the cheesecake. And be like, oh, I'm going to take this home. And then I'll eat it in two bites when I get home. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's, that's my style. I eat ben- two, two bites, half of the cheesecake at the restaurant, two bites, half of the cheesecake after I get home sometime. Okay. Yes, I do that too. Yes. I, I pretend like but I'm there's no holding cool. back at the restaurant. Like I just eat how I eat. And if you don't like it, you can just not come to that restaurant. <laughs> yeah. how many care, I don't really care been? what other people think. If you don't know this about me, if you've been following me on Twitter or, you know, uh, Aaron, you and I have met a few times. If you don't know that about me, you're going to learn very, very quickly. I really <laughs> could give a crap, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm nice to people until they're not nice to me. But in general, if you don't like me, all right. Or if you don't like something I'm doing, well, this is a free country. Move away from me. So how Fair. many times has somebody come up to you at the Cheesecake Factory while you're viciously eating something? <laughs> and the waitress is like, sir, <laughs> sir we're going to have to ask you to leave, sir. Can you please use the utensils? God damn it. <laughs> No, but now that's a goal of mine, and I work <laughs> right by a cheesecake factory, so I may even try that tomorrow. Boom. There we go. Amazing. No, this is helpful. Thank you. You made me feel better because I was so shocked how many people just threw shit away. I was kind of I was kind of disgusted. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I try so. not to waste. Try not to yeah. waste. Yeah. It's not even that. It's just good food already cooked, and it's like put in a microwave. Boom. You know? Boom, baby. All right. So let's get into the fun stuff then. Uh, Jason, we have what I would call a peppering of profit questions for you some over under some yes or no some pick your pony in the race you know just just the whole gambit so why don't we just start it off aaron why don't you uh why don't you start off with some of these over unders here and then we can just keep the conversation flowing does that work yeah, that sounds good. We can do the uh, the other props later. So we'll do over-unders sure. for you. And this is just gut instinct, a lot of them. We can go into it if you want. You can just totally pass by. Uh, I think I already know the answer to this first one based upon your uh, current tweets this week. But over-under, 
20 dingers for Daniel Vogelbach in the major league level this year? Um, I'm going to go big time under, but <laughs> mainly <laughs> mainly because opportunity is probably not going to be there. Ryan Healy is the Seattle first baseman, and while Vogelbach did make the opening day roster, happy for him there. Um, I don't believe he's going to get the 500-plus the uh, plate appearances that it's going to take to uh, – uh, to get him the, the the twenty home runs, but I don't know how far under I'd go there. You know, he still might get to twelve or fourteen. Just you know, if he rakes, they're going to find a way to get him in the lineup. That's true. Question about Ryan Healy. Uh, in addition to that, I was uh, reading some Oakland A's stuff, and they were talking about the uh, improvement at the first base position for them since Ryan Healy left in defense. Is Healy is he a bad defender at de- at first? He's fringy. Yeah, he he's fringy. He's, fr- he's moved around a little bit. Um, position-wise, and he's still trying to get some of the the little intricacies and nuances of first base down. But uh, I'd say he's probably a step up from Danny Valencia, who also played a little first base in Oakland and was uh, the main Mariners first baseman last year until they acquired Yonder Alonso. Um, but not enough to really hurt, you know, the club. So if you're a Mariners fan out there, um, you know, don't worry about Ryan Healy's defense. But I was just tweeting a, a little bit ago before you guys push record here that. Uh, I'm really interested to see what Ryan Healy's, you know, next step is because we're talking about a 25, 26-year-old guy who, you know, hit 25 home runs at the big league level but is still developing as a hitter. So uh, I'm very curious to see what that next step is. Does he turn into a 30-35 homer guy or does he just hit for more average and get on base more? Um, I'd take the latter in a heartbeat, but uh, uh, that's always interesting about a young guy. And Jerry DePoto in Seattle is trying to pick up a lot of those types of players that are headed in the right direction, and Ryan Healy is one of them. And that's one of the reasons why Vogelbach probably isn't going to get that opportunity. Okay. Over under two and a half Oakland A's first baseman we acquire before the end of the season. Way over. Way over. Way over. <laughs> We're going to get three more. Oh, wait. By the end of the season? I thought you yeah. said before the start of the season. Um, by the end of the season, 10 or 12. So way, way, way over. Yeah. They're, they're probably going to acquire two of them while we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. So it's been Valencia, it's been Alonzo, and it's been Healy. Mm-hmm. Was there anybody else before that? Uh, not recently. In the last year, not, we've done three total. Not recently, no. But obviously, no, it's Jerry DePoto's thing. So cause yeah. he's been here a couple of years, and he's acquired three of them. So, you know, Ryan Healy gets hurt. Instead of just giving the, the job to Daniel Vogelbach after that, they'll probably say, let's call Oakland and see what they got. Yeah, see who's left. Yeah. He a, loves It's, for, it's a short flight. Baseman. Yeah, it makes sense. Beautiful. As much as he loves trading Mark Trumbo, he loves Oakland first baseman. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is true, absolutely. He's twice. All right, over under 20 dingers for Gene Segura. Under, he's just not really that kind of a hitter. If you put him in, yeah. in a ballpark like Colorado or Arizona, at least Arizona before they went with the humidor, which they're starting this year, uh, you could get 20 homers out of him. But uh, uh, he's like a 10 to 12 guy. You don't really want him to hit the ball in the air. And when he does hit a home run, you see the uh, they're of the line drive uh, variety. So under, the, the, the hard under on Gene Segura, 20 home runs. What about 30 doubles? Yeah, that's doable. All going to be about, does he play 145 games? Yeah. Or does he get hurt twice like he did last year? That that's the big thing. And you know what? That's the big thing for the Mariners this year. They need Mitch Haniger to give them 140 plus games. They need Gene Segura to give them 140 plus games. They need to avoid the significant injury to uh, guys that they're counting on that they don't have uh, replacements for. And uh, you know, Gene Segura is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. All righty. So this is the final dinger one for you. 35 dingers for Nelson Cruz. I'm gonna go under, but again, not a performance yeah. thing. I, I think he's, you know, he's kind of feeling it now. He's got a little bit of a leg thing right now. He's Whether he's going to hit the DL or not, I think he's going to play 
um, uh, and get just few enough at bats to keep him under 35 at the age of, well, he'll be 38 this summer. Nelson Cruz has been remarkable, but I'm finally going to go under on Nelson Cruz ending 35 home runs. Do you think we see him kind of regress in the way people thought he might quickly this year? Man, that's hard to bet on because, you know, when he first signed that deal with with Seattle, I was like, okay, he's probably going to be pretty good the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. And by the way, he was way better than I thought he would be those first couple of years. And then year three, he's going to start to decline. And then year four, he's just not going to be very good. And none of that has happened yet, like at all. Like he was just as good last year as he was in year one. And it's it's been uh, absurd. It's just really hard to, uh, to, to kind of place when a guy that's 37, 38 years old and who isn't a great athlete, and that's Nelson Cruz, when that bat speed's going to go and when some of the, these other things are going to go, whether it's about playing time or about the actual performance that he's capable of. Um, but un- under 35 home runs, but I, I don't know. He, he could go out there and hit 275, 350, 520 again with you know 28 home runs because he spent you know three weeks on the DL. Uh, that's kind of what I would guess if uh, you know you put a gun to my head and said you know d- tell me what happens with Nelson Cruz this year. But uh, it, he could fall off. Absolutely, he could. And and I think though, um, uh, still I would probably bet on it being very injury related, even if it's not about him not being available, because he's a guy who's going to fight through injuries and play anyway. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have to see. But N- Nelson Cruz is fascinating because he's had the better years of his career after the age of thirty. It's absolutely remarkable. Yeah, I love him. In his short time at the Mariners, he is one of my favorite Mariners, like, ever. Like, I've loved what he's done. That's a good point. I wonder how many other Mariners fans feel that way. He's been so – maybe it's because we saw so many people come here and not pan out, but when we mm-hmm. see somebody for the length of their entire contract being as good as he is, right. and he could be subpar this year, but he would still be well worth the money we paid him. Oh, yeah. He was worth that the first two years. After that, it was it's gravy. Absolutely. Um, that's a good question. I think because the team hasn't really won – that love affair with Nelson Cruz might not be there, but still got a year left to uh, to surprise some people and get to the postseason because uh, as I've been telling some of the front office people that have come and gone the last few years, hey, if you're part of a winner here that gets back to the postseason, makes a little bit of noise, you don't even have to go to the World Series. You don't even have to go to the LCS. You get back into the postseason, maybe win a wild card game, you know, give a tougher team uh, some trouble in the division series, they're going to build statues here for you. <laughs> like yeah. you're going to be sitting out there right next to Griffey. That that's how hungry this town is for something better than what they've had the last 15 years or so. I know. I told my wife when we moved out to Chicago that if the Mariners get in the playoffs, I'm going to be gone until they're out of the playoffs. <laughs> we almost went to Anaheim for that last series. We did. Chris and I were talking about yeah. going to Anaheim for that clinching series, but then we had a horrible, horrible September. Last year, and we didn't. Yeah, it was bad. We saved so much money not going to Anaheim. It was very nice. <laughs> right, and so the, the good trope. As soon as we had that conversation, I think they went like zero oh, and ten or something magical like that. So yeah, yeah. yeah they got really worn down late. Yeah, got to avoid <laughs> it, that. It it's been a puzzling off season. So it's it's you know, uh, Aaron, you've seen this certainly from me. You know, in my writing and podcasting and tweeting, um, I don't really know what they're trying to do, but trying to win, trying to go for it, doesn't seem to be what the Seattle Mariners are trying to do. The, by the way, the Oakland, you mentioned the A's a little bit ago because of the first base thing. I, I have no idea what the A's are doing. Like, are they rebuilding or are they yeah. just trading the veterans to get younger and constantly? Like, they never even got to a point where some of the sunny grays of the world were really starting to get too expensive. It was like, well, let's just trade them. 
Like like <laughs> Billy Bean got bored and said, "I haven't made a trade in you know you know two weeks. Let's just trade this guy. All right, we can trade that guy. Let's trade that guy too." Like it, it's been a really weird like five year period for the A's. So the Mariners yeah. aren't alone. I have no idea what the Oakland A's are doing. Do you think that that just stems from Billy Bean's abandonment issues in free agency <laughs> that he just wants to be the one to make the move? Ah. <laughs> uh. I, you know what's funny about um, I, I've been told and I've never met Billy Bean, but I've been told that Billy Bean is the most realistic general manager to deal with. Like he's very, um, like like Theo Epstein's the most like transparent, but Billy Bean is like the most realistic. Like he doesn't go to GMs and say, "Hey, I'll trade you my uh, my crap third baseman for your top prospect." Like he doesn't do that. Like he doesn't bother the junk. Like, but he will like back out of like talk like he'll say yeah we kind of like that guy we might be able to do that now um what about this guy too can you throw this guy in there and they'll be like nah or then they'll be like yeah you know what we're willing to do that too if you're willing to do this and he's like yeah i'm willing to do that but you know that first guy i liked originally we don't like him anymore dude it's been 30 seconds like what are you talking about you don't like that guy anymore so he kind of talks himself out of players during negotiations at least that's what i've been told that's certainly not first-hand information but uh sounds like billy bean and david force there in oakland would be uh very interesting to uh to negotiate with i'd pay good money to watch billy bean or jerry depoto sit at dinner with their significant other telling them not to touch their phone just sit there and be like, don't touch it. Don't do anything. And just watch them both like shake and explode. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Jerry right? DePoto particularly. That guy, and, and I don't necessarily mean this in a bad way because, again, I don't know Jerry DePoto personally. Um, that guy is a bit of a control freak. And his personality, his, his private personality is, if I don't know what's going on, I'm not doing my job. Like every tiny little thing, which can be good and can be bad. I've always wondered if this has hindered his ability to actually, um, you know, put together, you know, deals or, you know, construct negotiations or whatever it is. Um, But I've heard that a lot about DePoto, that his personality um, just does not allow him to let go of things. Like he's got to know every little tiny thing that's going on all day long. By the way, this is a really fun little quip about. Uh, the Mariners' new chairman and, and majority owner, John Stanton, he's the same way as like a like as a, as a fan. He like I've been told, it, John Stanton's actually uh, an investor in the company that I work for, and he's oh, cool. an investor um, because he knows really well the guy that founded my company, Greg Bennett. Um, so I've been told a few things about their interactions and when they're talking and when they're meeting. He John Stanton will have his phone or his iPad or something open with the game on it and following the game. And he'll be sitting there talking to Greg, you know, having a complete, full, normal conversation. But he won't have looked up from his iPad if there's a Mariners game going on. Period. End of story. This is more important, but he's also following what Greg is talking about, having a completely 100% coherent, normal conversation, but he hasn't looked up one single time. So... I, I heard that about John Stanton about a year ago, and I've loved him ever since. Like, are you kidding me? This guy can't take his eyes off of a screen in front of him. He's like, what is he, 65 years old? And he loves baseball so much, he's basically telling my boss, Greg, yeah, yada, 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 go fuck yourself. I'm trying to pay attention to my team, all right? And I just love that about John Stanton. I want to do that. 
<laughs> that's my goal in life now is so i could say yeah go fuck yourself i'm watching my team <laughs> that would if only i could figure out how to do that at home that would just be the best be the absolute best yeah let me know let me know how that beta test goes i'll <laughs> fill in for you next week aaron because you won't be able to talk yeah. <laughs> no i will not get a night off Beautiful. So speaking of depressing outcomes, uh, the the next over under, you know, this is, of course, going to be a name that's going to come up until further notice. And of course, it's Felix Hernandez. And the over under that we have here is is Felix pitches a healthy 140 innings this year. Yeah, I think he's going to get to 140. Um, I I, I, I do. I I think uh, I I do think last year. What's that? I, I think he's going to get more than 140. Oh, nice. I, be, yeah, I do. I, I think he's going to push. I, I'm going to go over. If, if this is an over-under question, I'm going over 140. Or if it's a yes or no question, yes, he's going to get to at least 140. Um, I think some of that will be because they're going to baby him a little bit and not – you know, not like baby his ego, but just like say, hey, you know what? He's gone five and a third. Let's not ask him to throw more than the 97 pitches he's already thrown. Let's just get him out. Because I think what the Mariners are trying to do here is kind of out middle relief some of these other teams, um, hoping their offense gets to the starting pitcher about the same time or before uh, the opposing team gets to Felix Hernandez or to Mike Leake or to Marco Gonzalez or to James Paxton and just be better at middle relief. Now, I think they're actually wrong. I don't think they have a middle relief advantage over almost anybody in the American League, but I think that's going to be their approach. And I think that's probably going to keep Felix fresher and not ask him to do too much. So I think he's probably going to get, he's probably going to stay healthier just from that alone. And I'm told he's done a lot of uh, strength and conditioning to that, to to that shoulder, which just tells me that, Hey, you know what? We understand that he just can't go through the off season the way he always has. We need to do something to keep him healthier. He's going to be 32 years old in, in about a week. Um, so I think they're they're mindful of that in both usage and in terms of training Felix Hernandez physically. So I think he's going to get, you know, if I were to guess 150 to 170 innings, I, I said a little bit ago on Twitter, um, my eat my hat pick of the year is Felix Hernandez pitching 190 innings with a 3.5 fielding independent pitching. Um, yeah. That would be, I don't think he can do that. That would be eat my hat, but I, I don't think it's entirely 100% out of the question either. Interesting. So I actually have a I have a follow up question to that because so he was using what's his name Iron Mike Glenn Nelson mm-hmm. Cruz's guy last year right sure. and it looked like they were doing a lot of like AMRAP like as many reps as possible CrossFit mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, do you know if that the routine they were doing was modified a little bit or was it more just like he really wasn't doing anything so it had to take two off seasons to really get him into shape? I, I, the issue here is what. What what Mike does with athletes is train athletes. What yeah. Felix Hernandez needs is to train like a pitcher. They're, they're, they're two completely – if you're a catcher, a third baseman, a center fielder, or even if you're a reliever versus a starter, there's a difference in the way you train. If you're a reliever, just go to driveline down the road from me here in the Seattle area, and he'll add velocity to what you have because that's what a reliever does. It's max effort, throw as hard as you can, as much as you can. If that's an inning, great. If that's two batters, great. If it's six batters, great. Get a bunch of people out, strike them out, throw 97, done and done. If you're a starting pitcher, there's a there's a completely different approach that's necessary here. You're not going to be able to go max effort for 120 pitches. It's That's just not possible, especially for a guy like Felix Hernandez who's 32 and there's obvious wear and tear on his shoulder but there is a way and there's probably more than one way I'm not suggesting there's only one way but if you don't train like a pitcher you don't train like a starting pitcher you could show up in the best shape of your entire life 
but what did you do to actually become a better pitcher physically? And I don't know one way or the other that Mike teaches that kind of training and, and, and trains in that manner. And, and all the information I can find is that he absolutely does not. It's, let me get you in the best shape of your life, which is great, but that doesn't help Felix Hernandez's arm, his shoulder, stay healthier. That doesn't help Felix Hernandez keep his delivery together. That doesn't help Felix Hernandez stay uh, durable, you know, both within a game, within a week, within a month, and within the, the, the season. And that's what Felix Hernandez needed to do. I don't know that he did that this offseason, uh, one way or the other. I don't know. Um, but unless yeah. he did, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that he's going to get to that 193.5 FIP uh, to make me eat my you know, in parentheses, <laughs> chocolate hat, because I'm not going to eat a wool hat. Um, that's just kind of how I see Felix Hernandez's season. You know, if he trained as a pitcher, he has a shot. If he didn't, it's probably going to be very much like last year, although I do think he'll stay a little bit healthier because they're going to be mindful of that. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. I want you to eat a hat. <laughs> it, will <laughs> it will be chocolate. It will be chocolate. You know, chocolate so. cheesecake. I, I got to imagine, and Aaron brings up this point all the time. So if you disagree, you can blame him. Is uh, just the fact <laughs> that he's not going to be pitching in the World Baseball Classic and doing all that other pitching, mm-hmm. like off-season activities, has to be like he he's at the age where he needs the rest. Well, my so. biggest thing with the WBC last year was wasn't that he was pitching the WBC. It was the fact that he tried to get mid-season form for the WBC by going in Venezuelan Winter League. Exactly. Because yeah. when I heard he was doing that, I was like oh great and then they were like oh he has dead arm in april and i was like well yeah yeah (laughs) shocker he didn't have an off season away yeah yeah i i actually i do believe wholeheartedly that there is something to that i absolutely despise the world baseball classic always have always will i don't like it it's not that the games aren't exciting it's that as a just as a fan of the game i'm a major league baseball fan and a minor league baseball fan and a college baseball fan but I care more about what the Colorado Rockies are going to do with John Gray and Charlie Blackman than, than the United States. Like, I don't care, like, to be honest with you. And, it, and people are like, oh, you don't have any, you know, pride. Sure I do. But holy crap, it's the World Baseball Classic. It lasts like two weeks. How much pride can you take out of that? It's just not more important than the Seattle Mariners season or the Colorado Rockies season or the Chicago Cubs. It's just not, and it never, ever will be to most people, including me. I despise the WBC. Get rid of it or change when you actually do it. Do it during the summer. Take some more time off. Do it after the season, whatever it is. Do it like the damn Pro Bowl in the NFL where only the players that are in the World Series can't participate. Because, you know, think about this last year. What was it? It was the Astros and the Dodgers, okay? Two of the best teams in baseball, of course, with a lot of the best players. But a lot of the best players aren't going to play in these World Baseball Classics anyway, whether it's March or September or January. It doesn't matter. So why not do it in October as most teams are eliminated when the weather's still good enough when you're playing the Major League Playoffs around October, so it must be good enough, um, when players are actually in shape, Like you could actually, like for example, the teams that don't make the playoffs, which is most teams, more than half the league, give those players a couple of weeks off and start the baseball classic about October 15. Then you'd have rested relievers, rested starters. You'd have enough guys that would be interested still. They're already in game shape. So you're not worried about rushing Felix Hernandez or Edwin Diaz or Jonathan Gray uh, to be in game shape because that's dangerous. You know, Aaron's right. That's really dangerous to do that. And it does make guys go, well, I need to stay in shape. Instead of letting myself, my arm get out of shape, I have to stay in shape. So I'm going to have to pitch in, you know, December, January, February, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I can't stand the WBC. In fact, guys, 
do you want to start some kind of like a petition to get rid of the WBC? I think we could do it. We could do. See, here's the thing about WBC is I want to love it. Like I love the idea of it. I like round. I, I like the round robin format a lot. I hate I, the but execution I, I don't, of it. Yeah. So yeah. can we can we just push it to October then? Can we do that? Yeah. Let's yeah. yeah. do that. that. Look I'm how so quickly we just found a compromise in 2018. Yeah, this took nothing. <laughs> oh wait, that was a compromise? Nah, forget it. I'm out. <laughs> We're done. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, thanks. All right. Next over under. Are you ready? This one's going to be our sweet D. Our sweet D. Gordon is uh, 50 steals for him. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I want to say close. yes because I think if he gives you 150 plus games, he's getting 50 stolen bases. I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over. I, that that's a good that's a good point. That's a good number uh, for the over under there for D Gordon. He stole what 60 last year. Led the National yeah. League. Um, one of the things uh, Thursday night yeah. at Safeco Field will be uh, D Gordon accepting his Lou Brock Award for leading the NL in stolen bases, and I think he takes a ton of pride in that. So he'll have some competition in the American League, of course. But uh, mm. I'm going to say over over 50. All right. Yeah, it looks like he over he averaged basically the past three years over 50 so since his Dodgers days so yeah, yeah I, I agree with you there All right, and I think Scott Service by the way wants to steal I, I'm not a big fan of the stolen base mm-hmm. um, it, I mean if you're going to steal bases 9 times out of 10 great but nobody does that so I think you're just giving up outs and opportunities and if D Gordon's going to bat second and that's where he's starting the season in the two hole you could essentially take at bats away from either the guy that's at the plate Robinson Cano or the guy after him Nelson Cruz or the guy after him Kyle Seager or Mitch Hanniger. Um I would just rather those guys hit with a man on first base than not hit at all with a man on base because hitting with men on base not in scoring position but hitting with men on base is what's important in baseball today the whole hitting with runners in scoring position doesn't matter nearly as much that's that's way overblown by beat reporters and by teams but you know how many times is Kyle Seager going to hit a double with a guy on first base that's going to score him right that's going to score D Gordon yeah. with two outs from first base um, that might score uh, he might hit a single and score D Gordon with two outs um, so I, I'm not a big fan of the stolen base, but Scott Service obviously and clearly is, and I don't think Manny Acta being the, the new bench coach this year is going to change any of that. I, I think he too is going to be like, yep, send him green light all day long, no matter the situation, D. Gordon, do your thing. I so love- you think that goes beyond the spring break manager cliche of we're going to work on base running <laughs> that they'll actually like they'll actually like go for it i think the yeah. uh, to be honest with you i think a small part a very small part of adding d gordon over the off season is about getting better on the bases yeah and, and not just about his performance too like he's not going to give up outs but he's probably going to he's probably going to grab a few extra bases um even better than than uh gerard dyson last year um but i think he's also very good at um at teaching that thing too. So he and Gene Segura can, you know, teach Guillermo Heredia how to run the bases better. Not necessarily steal bases, but run the bases better. They're not, sure. Ichiro could use the help too, but he's never going to listen. So. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right. Two more D Gordon ones. One, uh, yes. over 180 hits, over under on 180 hits for him. And then Zips has him at 2.1 war, which kind of surprised me because I believe Gerard Dyson was at 2.5 last year. Mm-hmm. Do you think he eclipses that? Uh, I think he will eclipse 180 hits. If I'm going over 50 stolen bases, I'm guessing he's going to stay in the lineup for the most part. So um, I'm going to say over 180 hits. As far as the uh, the wins above replacement, um, I, I'm I'm actually not that big a fan of Zips. I love Dan Samborski. 
but some of the flaws in in that system, um, they they actually expect players to get hurt. I mean, if you see the the full projections of some of these players, it will actually have like uh, an abbreviated number of games. Like you expect a guy like Robinson Cano to play 155 to 160 games, but Zips often will be really aggressive in games played or um, when they see any sign of decline from the previous year and the guy's like over 33 years old, it's like, yep, cliff, here comes the cliff. So... Uh, Steamer does the same uh, types of things anyway. Steamer Projections um, does the same types of things and uh, is more aggressive on the injury than Zips is. But that's just really, for me, that's just not realistic. I know guys are going to get hurt, but uh, uh, I see, I'm going to say over the 2.1 for for D. Gordon there. I, I think um, I think he can come fairly close to the, uh, the batting average on base percentage that he put up last year, which I believe was... 308, 341, which got him over three in wins above replacement. So I'm thinking two and a half, 2.8, somewhere in that range for D. Gordon. And I actually think there's a chance that his defense might be more valuable in center field than it was at second base, even though on the the, the defensive, uh, you know, the paradigm, second base is ahead of center field. He's already that good in center field. Wow. Yeah. That's my favorite part of spring training is hearing how good he is in center field already. Yeah, like absolutely yeah. love it. Especially since it is in Arizona, because that ball just flies right. If like a mouse mm-hmm. sneezes, that thing just goes miles. So. <laughs> and, and some of the stories from middle infielders that move out to center field. I was telling you know some people this a couple of weeks ago. If you remember a couple of years ago, the Mariners tried to do that with Cattell Marte and the Miners. We don't really yeah. have room for you right to second at shortstop or second base. Let's try you in center field. So I thought, all right, I'm going to go down and watch this. So I went down to Tacoma, and I thought, oh, my goodness. Pat Listach, his manager down at Tacoma, did the same exact transition as a major leaguer. He was a shortstop second baseman, was like one of the best rookies um, his rookie year. I believe that was 92. And then a few years later, they move him to the outfield. So I went and asked Pat Listach, okay, you guys are moving Cattell Marte to center field. You did that. Like, what's that like? Like, you know, and some of the stories that he told me about the, the challenges of that were, you know, some of them were actually pretty funny. Uh, one of them was um, it, the ball hit right at you is the hardest one to judge. But so what he tried to do is actually purposely take a bad route because he needed an angle on the ball. So if he knew he was going to get to it, he would take what technically would be a bad route so he could get a, a better uh, you know, look at the ball and, uh, and get around to, to throwing it to the right bag. But um, they flew Robin Yount out, who made the same transition you know, 15 years earlier, um, to center field from shortstop and actually won an MVP playing both positions for the Brewers. Um, they flew Robin Yount out to help him out and make the transition, and he was able to do it. But one really cool story that actually involves the Mariners, um, if you remember Rich Amaral, um, with the Mariners back in the 90s. Uh, was a part-time player, was uh, really important to that 1995 team uh, when Griffey got hurt uh, against the Orioles. Amaral and and, uh, and Alex Diaz filled in for uh, for Griffey. They platooned out there. But uh, in one of Pat Listach's first games playing center field, Rich Amaral hit a line drive right at him, and he didn't take the purpose purposeful bad route. And he dove for it, and it bounced over his head and went all the way to the wall. So Listas tracks it down and uh, picks it up and is surprised when he turns around because the ball bounced right back to him. He was able to throw a laser to third base and throw out Rich Amaral. And after the game, Listach went to Amaral and said, man, bruh, 
thanks for making that base running mistake. <laughs> I was going to go back to my manager who keeps telling me over and over again, do not make the mistake on the ball hit directly at you, and Amaral kind of saved his ass. So um, uh, D. Gordon's just made, uh, you know, to, to kind of circle back, he's made a um, ridiculous transition. I mean, I, I still expect, like, the occasional, you know, like, sort of hiccup, but he's so fast that he's going to make up for a lot of the actual technical mistakes that he makes uh, on his way to getting to a point where it's just easy for him. And uh, and it, I believe in that 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 2.8, that 2.5 to 2.8 wins above replacement range for him. And he could be just as good as he was last year. And I just looked it up as we were talking. He was a 3.3 uh, wins above replacement by Fangraphs. And I think that's attainable this year. I don't see any reason why he can't produce at that level again. I'd take the hell out of that. Yeah. Right, yeah. it's going to be as seamless as Dustin Ackley in left field. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that went, right? Oh wait, okay. he was okay. Yeah. He just couldn't throw. He was okay. He just yeah couldn't well couldn't hit couldn't throw. You know, two of the things that you need to play baseball yeah. in major leagues. Yeah, Do you notice that Dustin Ackley's basically out of baseball already. I'm yeah, I'm looking at that right now because I just was like, is he? Yeah, he didn't play last year. Not in the big leagues. He was around Angels. He was in the Angels organization. I'm not sure where he is this uh, this spring. Um, quick antidote there. One of the reasons is Dustin Ackley is as pig-headed and know-it-all as any player I've ever heard. He, like Edgar Martinez, literally went to him and said, hey, what if you tried this? And he kind of just went, no, nah, I'm good. What? Wow. That explains yeah. a lot. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why they traded him when they did. They were like, you know what? We're not going to do this anymore, dude. Like, You might as well just cut cut the rope. He he and Michael Saunders kind of had attitude issues, right? Um, Saunders only had it had issues with um, uh, the manager Lloyd, Lloyd McClendon at the time. Yeah. yeah, that that was Saunders' biggest thing. Like he would take instruction till till there's no tomorrow. But what was happening with Saunders was Lloyd McClendon was telling him one thing, and the hitting coach was telling him another. Oh yeah. So somebody you're going to have to ignore. You can't do every. You can't do both. So, right. and when you're going through hitting coaches like crazy, that's going to cause problems. Michael Saunders got the shaft in Seattle, and it's Lloyd yeah. McClendon's fault ultimately. So it's too bad. I loved him at the plate. He was very patient. Yep. He was if he could have stayed healthy, he was he was basically a left-handed Mitch Haniger. Yeah. Now, that, Speaking that, of beautiful segue, hey, about that. <laughs> that our right fielder Mitch Haniger over under slugging percentage of 450. Over. I feel pretty yeah. comfortable over. Yeah. Oh. I think that's the Aaron's low end. Aaron's doing push-ups right yeah. now. He's freaking out. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty bullish on, on what Mitch Haniger did last year being very real. Um, they just need to keep him in the lineup longer. Yeah. Me too, and, and was, I don't base that on anything, really. I just I just believe it. Yeah. I love it. There was periods where his isolated power numbers were insane. I think he was like even – I don't want to say leading the league, but he was definitely high up there. So that guy could really make some hard contact. Yeah, he could. Very good at that. Pretty good right fielder. Um, you know, but when you – it was basically his first full season in the big leagues, and he hit, what, 280 with a 350 on base. There's no reason yeah. that's not real. Could he build on that too? Yeah, he could. Yeah, he could. Um, pretty good pitch selection. Uh, pretty good eye at the plate. Uh, strike zone judgment. Uh, Edgar's in his ear all the time, and he's very open to that about using the – not necessarily the opposite field, you know, but uh, but the middle of the field as much as possible. And we saw that a lot last year. He can hit the ball to right center and center field uh, for extra bases. Uh, I'm a big Mitch Haniger fan, yeah, big Mitch Haniger fan. I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear. So something I didn't really hear – 
anybody really talk about, which is crazy to me. Um, no one's really talked about pitcher health as much as I thought they would in the offseason. So, as you know, last year I believe there were 17 starting pitchers that were used. We went a little bit more conservative on our over-under, and we wanted to ask over-under 10 starting pitchers on the year. Whew. Boy, if you were laying these lines for Vegas, boy, they'd probably work. That That's a good number. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say over, but if you'd have said 13, I probably would have said under. So I think we're probably right in the 10, 12 range. I think some of it will come because in September you get the opportunity to expand your roster. Um, so if you were to tell me between now and September, um, I would probably say under 10. Yeah. Under 10. Does, does that – this is a weird question. I mean, ultimately, obviously, you want five guys to be healthy and just dominate all year, but that's not going to happen. Does the, the the opportunity to see some pitchers at the AAA level excite you with what's there as far as people coming up and seeing what they're capable of? Yeah, they don't have a lot of, uh, like, big-time prospects, at least in the upper minors. Um, well, they don't have a lot of big-time prospects, period. But yeah. in terms of pitchers, the, their best pitching prospect is Sam Carlson, who just has a handful of in- innings under his belt after being the – second round pick last June. Um, some of the guys that, that are going to be down at AAA, Andrew Moore, you're familiar with him. Uh, mm-hmm. Rob Whalen is probably the guy I'm most excited about because it, it, he's healthy and he had some uh, some mental health, uh, uh, some anxiety and depression that he dealt with last year after last July, and they just shut him down. And he seems to be back and uh, threw the ball pretty well this spring uh, with the exception of his last outing. Um, so I'm excited enough about guys like that, um, that that I think they're in pretty good shape, better shape than they were a year ago if they run into mass injuries. Um, the, the one big problem comes if James Paxton is the guy that gets hurt because that's happened pretty much every year of his career. They don't have anybody that can replace James Paxton. I mean, he, he's when he was healthy, he was as good as any left-hander not named Clayton Kershaw or Chris Sale last year. Um, that's how good James Paxton was. He should be pitching Thursday night. Um, instead of Felix Hernandez, but that's how good he was. So if he goes down, that's a big loss because we're talking about a guy who, you know, if he stays healthy, is a five-win pitcher. Oh yeah. So I, I think their best bet below their, you know, what's going to be their original starting five once Erasmus Ramirez gets healthy is probably Rob Whalen, and he's probably at best first year expectation-wise. It's difficult to see beyond a win and a half. So losing Paxton for more than a week or so could be the difference between them, you know, making the playoffs or not, or winning more games than they lose, um, that sort of thing. So Paxton's the one guy that they just uh, they can't replace. I, I do like Max Posey, you know, quite a bit. I, I'm not sure where I put him. I see a lot of upside there, but I don't know if the Mariners are doing what's necessary to kind of pull it all out of him. Big, tall, skinny, six eight, curveball, ninety to ninety three as a starter. There's got to be more velocity there. There's got to be a way to get him to pitch with more plane with his fastball and develop that changeup as a result. And there's got to be a way for them to get more bite on that curveball because he needs a strikeout pitch because that's the upside potential of a guy that throws from that angle and has that kind of physical skill. Um, They just need to turn that into pitchability, and they just haven't yet, and they've had them for more than a year now. So uh, if we don't see that at some point in in, in 2018, I'm going to start believing that maybe the Mariners player development staff just isn't good at that sort of thing. That's a very good point. You're very good at transitions because the next (laughs) over-under is 1.5 DL trips for James Paxton. Under. Under. You think he's... Under because he's he had that nail thing right or is it a blister? He yeah he's had both actually he's had a little bit of a blister but the nail thing was the big thing and they they think they figured that out now 
the reason why I say under, and, and if you just said uh, over under one, I'd say over, um, just because I, you know, like it, I'm so kind of in between there. But it, the reason why I said under is because there's no player on this entire roster, in this entire organization, from top to bottom, that's done more to get better, to reinvent himself, to remake himself physically, um, open-minded. Nobody's put more effort, more time, more work, and more energy into doing all of that than James Paxton. And, and, and to me, that's the second reason why he'd be starting on opening day. One, he's better than Felix. And two, because he's earned it. Like, he's flat out earned it. Felix's time is over. James Paxson has earned it. And he's put. He's so open-minded and he's so willing to listen and so willing to try somebody else's idea um, that it's starting to work for him. Like, like, he's getting the right information from Mel Stottlemyre and Lance Painter down at Tacoma um, and, and putting that to work. And, and I think there's a skill there, an actual talent there, that doesn't get talked about in baseball enough. Um, it kind of reminds me of my you know, athleticism argument a few years ago. Dustin Ackley is one of the most athletic players I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Not because he was super fast or could jump or, you know, had all the quick twitch, you know, uh, actions to him, but because he could train his muscles to do something different very, very, very quickly. James Paxton can do the same thing. But on top of that, James Paxton's able to take video work and work in the bullpen and put it to work in games on the mound when it counts. And there's a talent and a skill there that not all players have and that young players need to start paying attention to or they're going to get left in the dust by the other young players that do pay attention to that. So uh, James Paxton can do that. I'm a a huge James Paxton, the person fan, huge James Paxton, the the pitcher fan. And uh, I think he could stay healthy for 28 or 30 starts. So he'll probably hit the DL that one time, whether it's for the fingernail or something else. You know, he's a big guy with long levers. Uh, that's a very real thing and not going away. But he's a different guy physically um, th- than he was a couple of years ago. And I think that's going to help him, you know, stay off the disabled list a little bit moving forward. I remember not being super excited for James Paxton when we had the big three. Remember when everybody was yeah. comparing Danny he was the one. Yeah, he was the one that people were the least excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel. they were comparing him to Glavin and they were comparing him to Leiter and uh, John Schmoltz. Mm-hmm. And Lighter's a good one, actually. Uh, Paxton throws harder than Al Lighter ever did, but that's a good one because of their their deliveries are somewhat similar. Um, obviously, both left-handed. Glavin was always like a command and feel kind of guy. Like eighty-nine to ninety-two, I'm going to throw cutters and change-ups and little sliders and you know uh, throw inside to right-handers a lot. You know that sort of thing. Get the corners. Uh, basically, the left-handed version of Gle- uh, Greg Maddox. Uh, Paxton's always been a hard thrower. He's always been the ninety-five mile an hour guy. Um, and, and, but that was fair. I, I think when Holson and Walker and, and Paxton were, you know, kind of prematurely named the big three, um, it, Paxton was the guy with the most upside, but also the most risk always, um, because of the, the, the physicality of it, because he was the guy where you were like, yeah, we're gonna have to fix that delivery and we may have to maintain that delivery. It may be a constant thing, which is very, very difficult for players themselves to do. And it's something that, again, that James Paxton has been able to do the last year, year and a half. Uh, which is very, very impressive. Um, with with Walker, the, the upside was there, but it was most, mostly in the athleticism, not the pitchability. Paxton always had the pitchability to go with it. Um, so that, that's why he was the guy that, that most guys were, uh, you know, most analysts and even fans and media uh, were the least excited about. I can tell you this, though. Jack Sorensic all along liked Paxton the most. And I remember asking him down at Tacoma at Cheney Stadium, and I kind of made a joke. It's like, hey, the, you know, tell, tell me what your thoughts on Paxton are. 
yeah, we, we, we like them. And I was like, you like them or do you love them? And Jack goes, well, I love my wife. I like James Paxton. So <laughs> he, he kind of, you know, he loosened it up there. Jack's a great dude, by the way. Um, so and I was like, well, you know, what kind of upside's there? And he goes, there's no limit to what can be there. And then in other conversations, he never really said that about Taiwan Walker. There was always more concern for Jack, I think, about Taiwan Walker than there was James Paxton. And you know, I get it. I get it. They're both good pitchers. Uh, Paxton's moved forward a little bit more than Taiwan Walker has. And obviously Danny Olson, you know, sad story out of baseball because of the shoulder injury. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it was it, it, it was legitimate to, to be more excited about Walker and even Holton at times than, uh, than James Paxton because of all the hurdles that, uh, that James Paxton would have to leap to get even where he is today. And he's done it. That's what makes his, uh, his story up to, up to this point all the more impressive. Yeah, you could always see too, like whenever Paxson or Taiwan pitched specifically, the composure was in Big Maple. Like he always just had the composure that Taiwan. You could mm. see him get shook pretty easy. Do you guys like that nickname, by the way? I love. I'm it. not on. I'm not on board. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I I don't care, but I only like things I think of. So. <laughs> Well, it, it, here's the thing. It, it's it's you can like and dislike whatever you want, of course. But, yeah. um, and and now that you have my permission, especially, but it, like <laughs> the idea is, if you don't like something, you should probably try to come up with something better, right? Like if you yeah. can think of something better. Like it's not necessarily a hard and fast rule, but so what's better yeah. than Big Maple? Like Bur- bird hat. <laughs> 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 oh, you haven't seen the ads. You're not a fan. Oh, I haven't seen the ads yet. No, I'm sorry. I haven't yeah. either. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to call him Bird Hat, and then you guys can watch those, and maybe it'll make sense. I'll watch it tomorrow. Can we All shorten right. that? Just call him Bird? Bird. Big I like Bird. Bird. Big Bird. I like it works, Bird. right? I yeah. like Big it. in a nickname. I don't. I like one-term one, one term nicknames. Yeah. Let's just call him Maple, then. I do oh. like that better than Big Maple. I'll be honest with you. But he's yeah. so what, about just, what about just Syrup? <laughs> <laughs> Syrup is good. I actually like syrup okay. immediately. Okay, wait a second. I, I got to ask a question. Do you think that it's Big Maple because of the syrup? No, but I like oh, syrup. Oh, come on. Yeah, syrup. <laughs> we just go with syrup. <laughs> syrup. Syrup with the big K. I like it. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. All, all right. right. Moving on to our sweet breakout catcher from last year. How much yes. money are you putting on all these prop bets, by the I'm way? I'm actually putting 1000 on each right now. We're flying okay. to Vegas. I've taken out a second pump. mortgage. And yes. my cut is. <laughs> oh, oh, Whoa, man. guy. Ooh. Easy there. Ooh, kind of hey. some boundaries. I there. thought this was charity, what you were doing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the money making. Uh, <laughs> Four war for uh, Zunino. Do you think he can hit it? He, I think he got like 3.6 last year, and he only played like 120 games. Yeah, I'm going to say under. Um, with catchers, 120 games about as much as you should play. And I do think there's going to be one more period of significant adjustment made by the league and then ultimately by Zunino again before we can settle in on exactly what, what, uh, what Mike Zunino is. Um, I, I don't see a significant step back, however. He's made enough adjustments to believe in, uh, you know, that two and a half to three win range. And if he goes beyond that, I won't be completely shocked. But getting all the way to four, that might be tough. So I'm going to go under on a four war for Mike Zanino. Okay. All right. And then over under K rate 30%. For Zanino? Yeah. Oh, what was it last year exactly? I think it was 29 
I can look it up real quick. I have Fangraphs up. Give me one second to try to find it. He was sitting at... That can't be right. What should we be working on while you're looking that up? He was sitting... 36. Yeah, he was at 36. I was right. 36. So over under 30, that's a that's a pretty significant improvement. Although that does include his, um, you know, pre-sent-to-the-minors um, fix things uh, time period. Rough. I'm still going to say yeah. over... I'm still going to say over. I, I don't think there's a lot of upside in terms of the batting average here. I think what you saw last year was probably the the high side of that yeah. um, for, for Zanino. Um, but do you I've, care about plate discipline numbers at all? Like, do those matter to you? Um, it, I th- here's how I look at that. It, in, yeah. Versus other things like batted ball data, I look at um, plate discipline numbers like you can find at fan graphs as more of the second part of the equation. I want to gotcha. see it. And then I want to look at the numbers in that order. Okay. And then say, okay, I see this, I see this. Or, you know what, this is a little high because of X, because of this is what I saw, things like that. Um, because the, the one thing that those numbers don't do is they don't account for um, the handedness of the pitcher or the, the situation or, um, you know, make, maybe he was actually just in a slump right there, which is going to skew all kinds of numbers and it doesn't necessarily suggest what his ability is in certain areas. So you have to take all that into consideration. So I think you need to see it, study him, and then look at uh, play discipline type numbers. But um, gotcha. he, w- he is going to swing at pitches out of the zone, you know, more than your, your typical everyday player. Right. Um, the, the key for Zanino is to limit that enough and then do huge damage when you make contact. And that's exactly what he did when he came back a year ago. I think um, what they tried first was, let's make you a better hitter and let the power come. And that didn't really work because then he kind of got away from what he's good at, which is uh, getting into a nice rhythm at the plate in terms of how comfortable he is, wagging the bat around, things of that nature, and then just unloading. Um, but he had a his stance and setup and where his hands were uh, were a problem at times. So you know I think I think they got him straightened out enough right now. Um, where some of those play discipline numbers, um, while they might be skewed enough, I think you can believe in him enough to say that thirty percent is probably where he's going to live um, for the most part. Yeah, it's hilarious because that's like exactly where he's at. Yeah. Um, so I do want to ask you an, a question out of turn before we move away from the hometown heroes, including mm-hmm. syrup. Uh, you know, Aaron and I, we stand before you doe-eyed, holding our hats under our chins like it's a uh, fucking movie from the 1930s begging. Do you think Mike Zanino could be an all-star? Yes. Oh, yes. my God. Aaron, I'm running to Chicago and we're hugging. I'm going to start my sprint right now. Like, here's the thing. Like, let's say, for example, that Zanino – I'm just going to make this up. Okay, I'm not suggesting this is the case, so don't get all alarmed. Let's say Mike Zanino – peaked offensively last year, okay? Mm-hmm. And therefore, he takes a, I don't know, like a 10% step back and hits 245, 315, 470 with 20 home runs, okay? Solid average defender that's still a three-win player. Solid average defender. Name three catchers in the American League that are better than that. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll take I'll take the fucking default vote any day. Like right? <laughs> to me, that guy's an all star. Yeah, yeah. I I think there's a very good chance. Um, obviously, staying healthy is big. Um, the, the only obvious guy I can think of uh, better Gary Sanchez in New York. Right. That's the one guy to me that's obviously better than Mike Zanino. He Salvador Perez is not better than Mike Zanino right now. He's not. 
So who else is there? I'm having trouble coming up with somebody. That doesn't mean somebody can't break through. Um, you know, I, I don't know who that would be. Maybe Russell Martin gets back to his old ways or Jan Gomes stays healthy and bounces back. But, you know, he took a step back last year. Um, Brian McCann, you know, it, he was just okay last year. Um, but but he's right in that range. I, I don't think Jason Castro is that good. Um, who's the Angels catcher? Maldonado? I, I don't think he's that good. Evan Gaddis doesn't even really catch anymore. Um, it, you know, I, I don't know who that could be. I, maybe there's a second guy, but I, I doubt that there's a third guy. Therefore, pretty good chance Mike Zanino makes the all-star team. That's just wonderful. I'd actually be a little surprised that unless he was hurt that he, that he didn't, considering how good he was last year, and that's kind of how this works. I feel like I just drank a Red Bull. <laughs> but was it a diet? <laughs> no, it wasn't his lame-ass diet Red Bull. <laughs> I'm on the pod. I have headphones in. I'm right here. <laughs> give me a break. Who's talking right now? <laughs> Can you hear me? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. okay. All right. <laughs> Gullible curbs. I went over to the house. Like, what is going on? Right. Am I gone? <laughs> is this thing on? Is this thing oh. on? <laughs> All right. So uh, we're gonna go to a li- we're we're gonna pepper a few more Mariner ones in, but we got some non-Mariner ones coming. Sure at you first i'm actually going to delete one i have because it kind of is the same one that i'm going to ask you later but over under 20 times my wife asked me how's chris bryant doing (laughs) can i ask you a question do you pro do you have to bring up baseball proactively to her like what is that relationship like for anyone else but chris bryant yes Okay. Um, I have to ask a question. What is the love affair with Chris Bryant and the missus? Is it he's a great baseball player or is it he's got a great ass? Uh, It has everything to do with that horrible, also beautiful, express billboard right outside of Wrigley Field where he is swinging a bat in a blazer with no shirt underneath it. And he's got that super cheeky boy smile of his. Yeah. Yeah. What was the question again? Over, over under, under 20 times 20. she asked me how he's doing. Oh, uh, way over, right? Okay. Like, was that a question for April or? <laughs> that was a question for the first, yeah. for, for tomorrow when I'm watching the Mariners. Yeah. Like, well, Can I ask you your response? Is it generally insecure or are you just, do you answer <laughs> pragmatically when she asks? It's generally just me going, he's fine. And then okay. that's it. <laughs> yeah. But I think she'll also want to keep giving you shit, so I say over as well. Do, do you do you specifically, and I would totally understand this, do you kind of sort of get tired of the question? You kind of hate it? No, I'll bring it up. Like It's it's actually kind of a nice little thing to have mm. in my pocket because if she's like sure. in a bad mood, I'll be like, well, there you, you know, go. Chris Bryant slapped a three-run donger today. What do you think about that, huh? I have a fix for that, by the way. If you do get tired of that question, mm-hmm. it's called a mini mini reader board that you put in like your living room or whatever that's visible from like bedroom <laughs> kitchen or whatever and it just has chris bryant stats on it today and for the season yeah. but what about chris bryant dick pics does it do that because i think that's what we're looking well for if it's here. a reader board it would just be what those like circle led lights <laughs> eight eight equals 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 d tilde 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 that would be amazing i think you should do that this needs to be a video podcast uh, moving forward so we can see the results of your project on that, Aaron. Let's let's make that happen. Beautiful. So currently I lost her keys recently. Don't know how I did it. I've only Currently recently? Once. Currently recently lost them. Okay, cool. That's how you know what type of tense it is. And I lost them, and I've only used them once in the last six months, and I could just picture her being like, God damn it, Aaron. But then it just crosses over that Chris Bryant went two for three with uh, a double, a home run, and a walk. And three RBIs, and she's just like, 
That's good. So they're currently lost, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Does she know about this yet? <laughs> oh no, she found out last night. Okay. I don't. I you still haven't to, found the keys. I also haven't looked for them. She's a wonderful <laughs> lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 24 hours. You lost the keys and you haven't looked for them. I so how do you know they're lost? They're well, because we, I I have looked for them, but it's been like 20 seconds. <laughs> and she's. Uh, I don't know where they keys. are. You find them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've just tried to get her and tell her enough times that she lost them to see if she would actually think that she would lose them. But if, if I lost my wife's keys to her precious Chevy Equinox. First, she would take mine <laughs> yeah, to my happens. car and probably just burn them, just destroy them, <laughs> give them away to a stranger. And then she would take my keys to the Equinox and say, fuck off. Um, there wouldn't be any not looking for them. It would be, she would wake me up because I'm a late guy. So I'm up till two, three, four in the morning. She leaves the house at like five forty-five. She would wake me up every morning. She would, yeah. She would wait. She'd be like, "No, you're not sleeping. You're gonna help me look for these keys again until we find them." <laughs> there would be it would be relentless. Yeah. She here's the thing. She gave me the she she's a nurse, so she works like three days in a row and then has four days off. Right. So I lost them on the first night she had off. So I have until Friday. <laughs> to find them because I'm off at work so she can have my keys. So once I muster up the energy to actually look, I have that I have until Friday unless she's Okay, so hold on. Me. So let's ask the question. You have until Friday. When will the search commence? Oh, uh, what day is it today? <laughs> it's Wednesday evening. If there, I might do it tomorrow. <laughs> I also might do it where while she has my keys Friday night and I'm just alone searching myself. Okay, I, I got two questions. One, what happens if you don't find them? I have to buy new keys. Buy new keys. Okay. Yeah. So I live in an apartment building, so they can just replace them. Got it. So it's just you doing the legwork because it's like you're married. It's not like pull this out of your own pocket, motherfucker, right? Yeah. Well, no, no. She'll make me pay for them. <laughs> and she and she won't take it to the level of now I feel unsafe. We need to change our locks. Well, no, because I'm actually on an electronic fob system in the apartment mm-hmm. I'm at, so they can just deactivate your old one. All right. Boom, boom. So but, sec- second question is, though, that um, do you have any idea where they are or when you start looking for them, whenever that is? Are you starting from zero? I'm starting from zero because I've already looked in the three places they could be. Um, wow. So, Jason, I want to give you some context <laughs> of Aaron Kirby, which I know you know him pretty well, but last week he shared a story of which he made sure to get super stoned and go to a Home Depot and just look for look at stuff for like over an hour well, and just stare at things. Here's the thing. I was looking for something and the game was you can't you got to tell him the whole story. The game was I was looking for a uh, a rug cleaner, but I wanted to not ask anyone for it and I happened to be very high. So, I just wanted to see how long it would take for me to find it and it took about an hour until I give up. It took you an hour to find a carpet cleaner in a Home Depot. That's no, 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 no. It took him an hour to keep playing that stupid fucking game before he asked somebody. You guys That's are, the way you phrased that. You guys are acting like I wasn't spending 30 minutes in the uh, refrigerator section looking at fridges. How many times did you walk by the carpet cleaner? Twice. Okay. Not as much okay. as you'd think, but it was on the very, it was on the boring end. Okay. Now, I, I do have to ask. I understand that you were high, so it didn't didn't really matter, but... Why? <laughs> well, I wanted to go to a video game store and it wasn't open for an hour and I didn't know what else to do. So I decided to play that game. 
Wow. All right. I was. I, I will just admit right now, I will never anyway. play that game. So, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Uh, it, it, is there anybody else here that would play that game? Because I feel like you might be alone here. It might you might be champ of this game, <laughs> even though technically it sounds like you lost. Sunday mornings are me time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. How I spend them that's is, fair. Is, is my business. You need help with your game game. Do I? I, th- I think that's a terrible game. I had a lot of fun. Like, how, have, have how you is been it possible? to the toilet section of a Home Depot? It's enthralling. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> There's like 12 different toilets, and they all look exactly the same, but for some reason the prices are wildly different. I'm a little scared now. You should try. Jason, it. I can assure you, you're going down a one-way street. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> there's, it. There's, it sounds no, like there's, it. there's no other yep, direction. There's no end. <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah. Oh, God. Um, how do I even pivot back? Okay, yeah. So this is the question I had for you that I thought was very interesting from a national uh, story or whatever you want to say. So my question to you is, who do you think will have more losses this year? The San Francisco Giants or the Florida Marlins? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to say the Marlins, um, and probably by a hefty amount. I know that Madison Bumgarner is out, um, you know, for what it's going to be like six to eight weeks. But mm-hmm. they still have Johnny Cueto. They still have Jeff Samarjo, although he's going to miss the first couple of weeks of the season too. Uh, there's just far more talent on that Giants staff. So if you ask me in a month because now Johnny Cueto's out for the season, then I might have a different answer. But uh, uh, that Giants team is still significantly more talented than the uh, than the Marlins. Um, it, barring any other significant uh, injuries to the to the uh, the impact guys on that roster, the Buster Poseys and the the Brandon Crawfords and the Cuetos of the world, um, I would say they at least end up in the the, the high 70s. Uh, and the Marlins are going to struggle to get 270. Right. I think the over-under on the Marlins right now is like 64 games, Yeah, I think is what yeah. they're saying. And I think they're going to win more than 64. So if you were, here's a bonus for you, um, yeah. even though you're not sharing your winnings with me. Um, <laughs> oh, if the if the over-under is 64, take the over pretty aggressively. I would, yeah, I think, I think that's easy. And the other thing, too, the reason I actually picked these two teams is because, as you know, the NL East is probably the easiest division, whereas the NL West is one of the more difficult ones. So I thought the strength of schedule would calibrate it a little bit. Yeah, it does so. a little bit. Um, I do yeah. think, though, that, that uh, some are underestimating the upside of the New York Mets. Um and maybe a little bit the Philadelphia Phillies at this point. The projection systems don't really like either team all that much. I have right now, I have the, the Mets as my 10th best team in baseball um, and, and winning one of the wild cards. Now, that could crumble very quickly because of the fragile nature of their starting rotation, but the upside is enormous. That team could yeah. actually win 90-plus games. Matt Harvey looks better. Uh, Steven Matz and Zach Wheeler um, Wheeler got sent down to the minors, but uh, they have some impact guys that they could call up. Um, they're going to get more out of Mats. It looks like they're going to get more out of Harvey than they did last year. Noah Syndergaard and, and uh, Jacob DeGrom uh, look 100% healthy. That is as good a starting rotation as you will find in all of Major League Baseball. And it may not be close if those guys are actually healthy. I mean, name yeah. another team that has five potential number one or number two starters in it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I love that you picked them just for the sole fact that one of the one of the things I don't like about baseball, even though I love the sport, is that people 
predictably predict <laughs> divisional wild card, and it's nice just to hear some original thought into someone that people wouldn't include in their list. Have you seen so. some of the projections and the predictions this year? It's so because and this year is a little <laughs> bit even more like this than in years past. It's the same division winners in both leagues for just about every so-called expert out there that wants to make their picks. It's it's uh, Astros, Indians, Yankees, um, Dodgers, Cubs, Nationals. Like that's pretty much everybody's pick for the six divisions. Now there's a little bit of flavor in in, in the wild card, um, but that's even mostly the same four or five teams depending on who you ask. So uh, it's even more so this year because they're kind of our four super teams, and then everybody else is kind of looking up at them. But uh, yeah, I, I like the I like the the Mets have big upside. I think the Rockies have more upside than they're being given credit for. Thank you. Um, the way that yeah, the the way the game's being played these days, um, the the teams that understand their their ballpark and how to win at their home ballpark have a little bit of an advantage over the teams that don't, um, because talent for talent. There isn't always a significant difference between you and your opponent, unless you're the Astros right now. Even if you're the Dodgers right now, there's not a significant difference between the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks on paper. It's how you play the game from pitch one to the final pitch of the game that determines who's going to win more often than just the talent when the talent is automatically and kind of systematically that close. Um, so when you, when you look at some of these uh, teams like the Rockies who are learning every year how to be better at home, without giving up their impact on the road, uh, I like a team like that. I, I like a team like that quite a bit. Um, there's there's upside there. And even when I initially went through and w- was making my own uh, predictions, um, I, I originally sold the Rockies a little short when ultimately I actually really like what they did over the offseason. I think there's huge upside in that rotation, and uh, uh, they certainly have enough offense to score, uh, score runs. I, I think the one team that could win the NL West, not name the Dodgers, is the Rockies. And I only saw one so-called expert out there that picked the Rockies to win the division. And I think it was uh, Ryan Spader, the uh, the ace of uh, MLB stats, the, uh, the stat guy on Twitter. He was the only one that kind of saw what we're talking about here with the uh, with the Colorado Rockies. So um, I think we're going to have more surprises this year. And I think the Mets could be one of them. I don't necessarily think they win the division, but if the Nationals fall on their face a little bit, like Max Scherzer's out for half the season or something ridiculous like that, um, mm-hmm. the division could be up for grabs too. Yeah. I mean, it's the Nats are the only one holding the keys, right? So it's just a matter of if anyone else is yeah. going to step up. That team's not, ridiculously so. talented. There's so much. Um, so you know, and I love this opportunity to talk about teams yeah. not named the, the Mariners. That Nationals yeah. team, like, think about where they are today in terms yeah. of, like, we've talked about the rotation. We Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer. I mean, they're, yeah. they're loaded. When you have a guy like Tanner Rourke, who's your worst starter, you're in pretty good shape because <laughs> he'd be the Mariners' number two starter. He might have started yeah. on an opening day. You know what I mean? So... But you look at that outfield too, uh, Taylor and Goodwin and Adam Eaton is healthy and Bryce Harper. If the Nationals re-sign Bryce Harper, they're going to have a trade ship in in Taylor or Goodwin, probably Taylor, that nets them basically whatever they want. Like you need to go out and get a you need. They could probably get Edwin Diaz for Michael Taylor, for example. Real quick question, wow. just in terms of value. Yeah. Jason, you mm-hmm. brought up one of my favorite baseball stories uh, for the last several years. Quick over-under, Bryce Harper's extension, $450 million. It'll be under no matter what happens. There's no way he's getting $400 million, let alone more than that. There's no way. I think he ends up getting three, 325, 340, something like that. It'll be the largest contract in uh, in Major League Baseball history probably. Um, I do think he, he ends up staying in Washington. 
But okay. I, I have a feeling, it, 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 I think there are two windows for this to happen. I think it's um, sometime during the middle couple of months of the season just to get it out of the way so it's not hovering. Um, and just so the Nationals can make sure Bryce Harper doesn't kind of skate on them because if he doesn't play well and he's healthy, uh, they might get the impression that he doesn't really want to be there but that he would sign if they give him tons of money and they're not going to want to invest in a guy like that. Um, And then there's the period right after the the, the season ends for them whenever that is and um, it's kind of that World Series time when the Major League Baseball doesn't want things to come out. I, I think that the Nationals are going to want to keep Bryce Harper, Harper from hitting the open market. If I if he hits the open market, I think he's gone. Uh, I'm not sure where he fits best. Probably the Dodgers, but could be the Cubs. Uh, I think the Cardinals could be open to giving him huge dollars. Um, but he's, uh, he's going to be a rare free agent. Um, probably the rarest free agent since Alex Rodriguez. Um, hit the open market, uh, you know, more than 15 years ago. So, but I do think he ends up staying in, uh, in Washington, but that team, they could, if they decide they're not going to be able to resign him, they could trade him. Even though they're competing, yeah. they could actually trade Bryce Harper and they're still be enough, as right? good or better than they were without him. That's a pretty amazing rental, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's, and that's, the team trading for him is going to want to have a good idea from the agent and hints from the player and even the nationals that they're going to be able to have a, a really good shot to re-sign him because, yeah, he's going to cut. You thought Chris Sale was expensive. You thought Jose Quintana was expensive. Yeah, Bryce Harper is going to gut somebody's top 10 prospects. Yeah, no question. <laughs> question uh, for you. If he does hit the open market, a guy like Robinson Cano got 10 years. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever been a contract longer than that in terms of years. Do you think he can hit 12 or 13 because of his age? I don't think I don't think he's going to want to because that limits your own flexibility. You think he would throw like, opt-outs in there? Uh, uh, the opt-out thing is is the opt-out thing is a tool for the team. Oh. Um, so they're going to try it, and I'm not saying there won't be opt-outs in there, but I think if you're Bryce Harper, like, what if the you know, like no matter where you 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 put the opt out, let's say you put the opt out after three years. So Bryce Harper's 25 years old right now. He's not going to be 26 till after the season is over. So the contract will be, if let's say if you signed a 12 year deal, the contract will be age 26 through age 37. Let's say you give him an opt out after his age 28 season, which is three years into the deal. Well, he's definitely going to opt out of that. As long as he's playing well and he's healthy, he's absolutely going to opt out of that. Yeah, so it's really not the long 12-year deal anyway. So sure, that could happen, but the, the total length of that deal would be meaningless unless Harper got hurt or somehow like just got disinterested in baseball because the guy's so damn t- Bryce Harper's the most talented player in baseball, more talented than Mike Trout. Mike Trout's just been better at putting it to game use on the field, in the batter's box, on a consistent basis, and he's a little bit better on the bases. That's the only difference between Trout performance-wise and Bryce Harper, but just in terms of sheer talent, nobody's more talented than Bryce Harper. If he just becomes disinterested in baseball, then I guess he holds on to that 12-year deal because he's not going to perform and he's not going to get another big deal, but if you give him a three-year opt-out at, at, after his age 28 season, he's going to take it because then yeah. he's going to get another 10 or 12-year deal with the same opt-out with higher upside. Like, if it's just a series of three-year deals, he could just bounce from team to team and and end up making the same or more money. He might end up making $400, $450 million if you let him do that. So I suspect that we're probably talking about an eight- or nine-year deal for, I don't know, probably 
thirty to thirty-five million dollars a year, something like that. Yeah, to, just to get him enough to to have the, you probably have to be closer to to nine and, and thirty-five to uh, to give right. him the, the the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history. Um, I just don't know that the whole twelve-year thing. It'll either be meaningless because of the opt-outs, or you know, it'll be eight, nine, ten years instead of you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen, just to be longest. I think the dollar amount is really all that matters in the end. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting about Bryce Harper because I think one of the things that people don't realize, and maybe just because he is an East Coast team, and also just baseball is just a tough sh- sport to follow nationally mm-hmm. for sure. the average person, is that um, from my understanding, just from what I've seen, Bryce Harper gets intentionally walked way more than Mike Trout does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as people just like, we'd rather just put you on base and deal with the guy behind you right. and put ourselves in like a, in a tough position. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, the guy sucks on a teabag. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely does. He was, you remember his 2015 season? It was insane. What was he? 197 WRC plus, uh, 334, 66, 46 or 649 slugging percentage, but he had the 42 home runs. Um, it, what's really impressive about Harper is that early on in his career, I mean, we're talking about 2015 right now. He was 22 years old and God had that it. season. 197. Yeah. W, I, I looked it up to double check what you said, but that WRC plus is unbelievable. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was That's 197, right? Bonds, like. Was it yeah. 330, 460, 649, or 646? Holy shit, yeah. No, you nailed it. It's 649. Okay. It's a pretty historic season. It's kind of hard to forget most of that. Um, yeah, that's an insane... Right, and we may oh, never wow. see that again, but look at last year. It wasn't really all that far off. No. So I'm thinking 2016, where he was a little banged up, just like he was last year, was more the outlier than 2015. Yeah. Bryce Harper is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, Quick Bryce Harper story. His draft year was 2010. It was the year after the Nationals drafted uh, Steven Strasburg, number one, and they had the number one pick again. And I was working at ESPN covering the draft with Keith Law. So I thought, hey, dude, let's go to Vegas and see Harper, like really early in the year. And he was, um, remember, he was 16 years old, uh, left high school, got his like GED, like the equivalent, so he could be in high school and be in the 2010 draft instead of waiting. Um, so here he is, 16 years old. He's at the College of Southern Nevada and Chipola Junior College, one of the better junior college baseball programs in the country are in town. They actually had a, uh, a first-round pick on that team too, LeVon Washington of the Rays. And so Bryce Harper's there. And the, the only rule was, the, the me, he wasn't allowed to talk to media, so we weren't going to be able to like interview him that sort of thing. It was like leave the kid alone, let him do his thing. We're like, cool. We just we're just here to scout him. So I go down and I I stand for a few minutes behind the cage while they're taking batting practice, and I'm watching this 16 year old kid who looked like a like if there was ever a baseball player that fit the phrase man child. <laughs> It was absolutely Bryce Harper, even though you could tell he was pretty young. It was just so physically imposing at that particular point, and he was just like raking, like it was ridiculous. So then it was it. So I watch him hit, and then like you know, it's it's not his turn anymore. He takes his you know twelve or fourteen pitches. He comes out and he's sitting next to the cage, and he's like six feet to my left. And I look over and I just kind of give him the whole the whole head nod. Here I am. I'm like, what, what is this? Nine years ago. I'm 35 years old, and there's the 16 year old kid over there, right, who looks older than I do. Um, <laughs> and I just kind of give him the head nod. And he goes, "What's going on, man?" I go, "Not a whole lot. What's new?" And he goes, uh, "Who are you here to see?" And I said, "You, <laughs> all of you. You know, it's fun. It's baseball." And he's like, "Yep, cool." And I go, "Where are you gonna be playing tonight? Do you know?" 
Because, you know, he was a catcher in high school, and I'm thinking, boy, that's some ridiculous value if you can keep that guy that bad at catcher, right? And he actually had the physical tools to do it. So I asked, and he goes, I'm going to catch. He goes, where do you think I should play? And I go, I don't know. And, and at this point, I'm thinking I'm going to be goofy here and be, you know, be stupid. And I go, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see you at shortstop. And he goes, all right. So he caught that night. The next day, he played shortstop. <laughs> God damn it. Right? <laughs> right? Um, so then I saw him the second day, and I was like, hey, I saw you actually. You played six innings at shortstop yesterday. And he goes, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I love playing short. I'm probably better at third base, but I like shortstop. And I go, well, how about center field? And I'm totally being a dick here, right? How about center field? You know, Because at this point, I'm still thinking, he's a catcher. Like, that's his future. He's going to be a catcher. He's going to be a bat. Maybe he moves to third base or first base. I really wasn't thinking about outfield all that much. Nobody really was at that particular point, except, of course, the Nationals, who immediately said, no catching, he's going to play right field. So I said, ah, so center field tomorrow, right? And he goes, yeah, probably. And I thought he was kidding. Well, I see lineup card, Bryce Harper, batting third, playing center field. <laughs> so in three days, I saw Bryce motherfucking Harper at 16 motherfucking years old in college at fucking College of Southern Nevada play catcher, shortstop, and center field and look like he belonged at all three spots. And oh, by the way, I think he went like six for nine with four walks and two bombs and two doubles and like never swung and missed like the whole thing. Bryce Harper's ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. I hate that guy. He's unbelievable. <laughs> He's this is like whenever I look up Earl Thomas's age and just get pissed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's because they're so fucking young. And He's I'm still like, not even 30 yet. I know. I, I know. know. Have you heard of Blaze oh, Jordan God. yet? Blaze Jordan? Yeah, have you heard of Blaze Jordan? Oh, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Blaze Jordan yeah. was a big uh, big topic of conversation last week for us. Yeah. Well, um, we didn't bombs, so... You know, we'll we'll yeah. see what happens. Um, uh, it it's very raw at this point, but yeah, he's he's kind of the guy. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah, the guy. Right, right right-handed hitter though, so you know, might get yep. a, might get a mirror, uh, kind of a mirror setup with uh, with Bryce Harper. That would be fun to <laughs> he's do. He's as big as I am, and he is. Was it sixteen years old right now? It's yeah. crazy. He, he he could beat the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with. I think that. he's actually still fifteen. Good. Yeah, good good for him. Yeah, yeah. Good for your fucking God-given talent. Yeah. Um, He's a monster. All right. Yeah. Total Ks for starter at the end of the year. Will the Cards or the Nats have more? Uh, the Nationals. The Nationals. By a wide margin. Hell yeah. yeah. I'm not a big margin. believer in the Cards this year. I, I Actually, I think I like the Cardinals a little more than some people. I, I've seen a lot of uh, 78 to 84 win totals. I think they can win 90 games. I gave them a wild card in my prediction. I, I, I can see that. I don't. I good. definitely don't yeah. think that's out of the question. Um, yeah, I, I think the, they have a chance to to be the second best team in that division. The Brewers are pretty good, but they're going to be missing Jimmy Nelson for you know at least half the season. It looks like uh, their ace. Um, they added you know Yellick and and uh, uh, Lorenzo Cain, and and you know they they seem to be set up for at least eighty five wins. But I think the Cardinal Carlos Martinez. I think they're going to get Alex Reyes. Uh, he of the 100 mile an hour fastball. I think they're going to get the use of him back at some point uh, in May, June, uh, whether that's out of the bullpen right away or, um, uh, you know, maybe even as a starter at some point. I, I like the I like the Cardinals. And I think the wild card for me with, with the Cardinals, no pun intended, is Luke Weaver, the kid out of Florida State. Um, think of, since you're Mariners fans, you're, you're at least somewhat familiar with Mike Leake, who yeah. formerly of the Cardinals. Uh, think of Mike Leake, but with two to four miles an hour more on the fastball 
and a better strikeout breaking ball. That's a pretty good pitcher because Mike Leak is a pretty solid 3-4 starter that's going to go out there and compete every time and keep you in a game. And sometimes if you're the opponent, you're going to look up and you're seven innings in and you're down three to nothing and you haven't touched him. And you wonder why because the stuff's not great. Luke Weaver has that just with better raw stuff too. So I think Luke Weaver could take that step forward this year and be uh, a difference maker for the Cardinals. I I think you're on something there with with the Cardinals as a wild card. I, I could absolutely see that. Yeah. I, I, that, I think the NL Central is probably going to be one of the more competitive mm-hmm. divisions, and it's just going to be based off of talent and not by default. Here, here's something uh, for you for next year. Mm-hmm. The Pirates will make the playoffs next year. I'm writing it down. Even after trading McCutcheon and Garrett Cole and moving on from some guys, the Pirates are ready to retool, not rebuild. I like that team. We're going to give you the biggest edible arrangement you've ever seen. Including a chocolate hat? Yeah. Sweet. I'm in. Everything. (laughs) Beautiful. So this year, which division has more teams in the playoffs? The NL West, the NL Central, or the AL East? The NL West, the AL Central, or the NL East? AL East. AL East. Yep. So we're just talking about American League? No, the NL West, National League West, National League Central, and the American League East. Okay. Uh... I'm going to say the Central because I think there's a better shot that we see the Brewers and the Cardinals win the wild card than like the Red Sox and another team. The American League East is terrible. It, it's the Red Sox and the Yankees, and everybody else is probably below 500. Yeah, you yeah. think the you don't think the Orioles could make some noise? No, the Orioles, Aaron, the Orioles are the Seattle Mariners. Oh man, he used my first name. They are. Like they, they are. They, they have. They have a a, a group yeah. of management still. Unfortunately for Seattle, this is still at least somewhat the case. Um, they have a group of owners that don't want to rebuild because they think winning sixty six games and sixty nine games and seventy three games for three years is worse than being stuck between seventy five and eighty five and never actually going to the postseason. That's the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. Yeah. They should just trade back Adam Jones, you know what I mean? Yeah, not that good anymore. I'll pass. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Right at Machado, right? Still hurts. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't wait to see what happens with him. I'm actually writing a 10, ten bold moves for the 2018 season right now, um, and I'm doing it as we speak. Right? I'm multi-talented. I've, the whole time I've been writing that story. Um, I have the Blue Jays starting a fire sale, and I have Manny Machado being traded to the Cubs. Oh man! Being so if you're a Cubs hater, I'm sorry. If you're a Cubs lover, you're welcome. Oh man, that would be absolutely I, insane in Chicago if they got Manny yeah. Machado. I mean, what would they, they could probably send over Radisson Russell and a couple, sure, couple prospects. Yep. This city yep. has soured quite a bit on Addison Russell. Yeah, for for good for good reason. Yeah, for very good reason. Yeah, very good reason. All right, we're yeah. gonna go to our next couple. Uh, San Fran last year, he they hit 128 dingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton beat that number this year? <laughs> That's a fucking dicky question. But keep what was going. the number? 128. <laughs> so they were in last place. Do you think those guys could outslug the Giants last year? No. I don't, don't think, think so. Will. No, no. I don't think there's any chance Aaron Judge repeats or adds to what he did last year. I don't think there's Ooh. any chance. Of that. I like Aaron Judge has already peaked. He's peaked. I mean, that's a good peak. 
It, it, it sure is, and I'm not saying he's not going to be good because he, he's going to be good. But he was an eight-win player and at 52 home runs. Yeah, that that's not that's he's not beating that. Um, and there's always the injury factor. Always. Do you the think he factor. keeps his spot in the lineup all year? What's that? Do you think he keeps his spot in the lineup all year? Where's that going to be? Two. Yeah. 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 They're batting him at two. That's a good spot for him. Yeah. I think that's yeah. gonna. I think that's actually going to help him maintain. Uh, a pretty decent uh, batting average because um, he's going to see pitches. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I would say I, I would be really surprised if they, if those two guys, unless they missed significant time, didn't each hit 40 home runs. But thinking that both guys are going to hit 50 and maybe Sanchez hits 30, I just don't, I just don't see that. I, I, I think one of those guys probably hits 45. The other guy probably hits four or five less than that. And then Sanchez hits his 30. And then you know they end up around 110 or 115 or something like that. What if Giancarlo hits 90, and <laughs> Gary Sanchez hits 20, and Aaron Judge hits 22? Well, Aaron, <laughs> 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 like do the math there, buddy. <laughs> Don't make me do the math. I'm That's 100 and what? 32? Yeah. That's more than 128. There you go. There we go. Um, All right. Giancarlo <laughs> Stanton hitting 90. Um, but you know what would probably happen in that case? If he just went out, like, let, let's be a little bit more realistic. Let's say Giancarlo Stanton hits 60. That means Aaron Judge probably isn't hitting a whole lot. He's probably hitting 30. Yeah. Because they're probably pitching him around him. Therefore, they have to pitch to Giancarlo Stanton, which is why he got to 60 in the first place. Yeah, that's a good yeah. take. All right, next one. True or false? There will be NBA basketball in Seattle before the Mariners make the playoffs. False. I think nice. NBA in Seattle is at least 10 years off. Nice. So you're yeah. saying there's a chance. I do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. N- next one, Ichiro over under one-third innings pitched for the <laughs> 2018 Seattle Mariners. Uh, under? Um, because you think he's Jason, not I, I also, I, Jason, I think it's important you know that the way that Aaron typed this question in the Google <laughs> Doc, for one-third, he put point one. As the decimal point. Hey, so, that's my guy. Yeah. Attaboy. Yeah. Attaboy. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. there you go. Thank yeah. you. I like it. When you type it out in a story, you put one slash three. When you're on a document or it's in a table of some sort, it's point one, baby. It's point one. I thought you'd, I thought you'd appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Love I it. only know that because of MLB <laughs> The Show. That's the only reason I know that. <laughs> oh, yeah? you guys? Do you guys play that? I, I do. I play that almost every year. We had one of our writers at uh, Hero Sports, Zach Prosba, do a, do a simulation of the season with the show with trades and retirements and you know world series and all that stuff and uh james paxton got traded to the new york yankees of course yeah, why not? <laughs> Damn it. I, I'm, my headphone is thrown across the room <laughs> i'm kicking my poor sleeping dog yeah. oh, man. what's funny is um, that we posted that like about the same time that um ked Div- uh david off with the uh the new york is it the daily news i think it is or the um, i think i saw that article you're talking yeah, about. yeah he actually predicted james paxton getting traded to the yankees and he didn't see anything that that the projection had done it was just he's the new guy james paxton it was felix for years and now apparently it's going to be james paxton but it does make sense and the deal that he suggested actually made some sense so yeah like i would take clint frazier right we yep. have another bet further down on this that we that we'll go into on that one but chris has another one for you about shohei otani oh so this is my over under may 1st there will be an article of shohei otani not being happy in anaheim uh i'm gonna say is that is that a true or false question 
It is a over-under, so that will happen before or after May 1st, because I think it will happen eventually. I think I'm going to have to, I, I, since I don't think it's ever going to happen, what is the answer I give you? After? Okay, well, then just explain yeah. your reasoning there. Yeah, um, I think um, with Japanese players, you're just never going to hear that. You're just never going to hear that. They're too, to be honest with you, and, and, and I hope this comes out the way that I mean it to be, they're too respectful of the game and the opportunity given to them to complain even through their agent. It's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah. That was real, that was like a good way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah, hear anything offensive in there. Yeah. yeah. Not yet. Yeah. You never, never can be too careful here. Right? I certainly don't mean that in a derogatory way. They're just extremely respectful uh, of the game, both the Japanese league and the Major League Baseball. I just I, – I can't – like when was the last time you heard uh, a Japanese player complaining, like seriously actually complaining about something? Well, the last thing I remember is you, Darvish, was thanking people for telling him that they that he was tipping pitches. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Instead that's, of saying, no, last, you yeah. dick, I'm not tipping yeah. pitches, you yeah. asshole. He went, oh, okay, thank you. I, yeah. How about that? I think yeah. if we had to pull a really, really big name pull out of my ass, directly out of my ass, I think Kazmat Sui did mm-hmm. some complaining, and I think that's it. Yeah. When he it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's... It's pretty rare, yeah. So and I remember Kaz Matsui. He was supposed to be good. I actually wanted him, liked him. I wanted to play him in center field, though. How about that? Another D. Gordon, Pat Listach, Robin Yount kind of a conversation there. That would have been fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm but he couldn't hit, so it wouldn't have mattered. All right, are you ready for some yes or no's? Uh, no. Oh, all right. Well, that's the pod. <laughs> Thank you. Guys. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> all right, you ready? Yes or no? Ichiro yep. is on the team in June. Um, can you define on the team? He is an active on the roster. On the, the roster. active twenty-five man roster. Yeah. Uh, no. All right, that's what I think too. All right, do you see the Mariners as buyer sellers at the deadline? That's not a yes or no question. That's a buyer seller question. Uh, they. <laughs> okay, here's the way I'm going to put this. They are going to. They're going to be as neutral as they can actually be behind the scenes but make it look like they're buying. So the public, okay. at least in their eyes, is going to think that they're buyers, but they're sellers. If uh, if they're selling, mm-hmm. do you think there's going to be a full teardown after the season, like rebuild from the ground up? Um, no, um, because I think that would actually entail, and maybe this is semantics in the, in the grand scheme of the conversation, but I think that that means not only do you find a way to trade Cano, you trade Cruz at the deadline, but you're also trading anybody who has more than a year and a half of service time, which would include not just Segura, but Zanino and Paxton and Hanniger, guys like that as well. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, I have a follow-up question to that. Sure. I mean, this is by... This is just what I've seen, and I don't know. I, I don't know if you ever read like what Ben Lindbergh does over at The Ringer, <laughs> sure. but he actually published that piece recently where he was basically saying like, Teardowns are kind of a myth as far as how people say they happen so consistently. Like, don't they don't really happen that often as much as people advertise? Is that don't you think it's fair to say it? It, it is, but that's changing. Okay. That absolutely yeah. is changing. In five years, yeah. Ben Lindbergh will write another piece and it will have a completely different flavor, and it too will be one hundred percent correct because he's he's right. right. The the full yeah. teardown doesn't happen that often because uh, the Mariners aren't alone. They've just been stuck in retool mode we're not rebuilding for 15 plus years whereas um, other teams have found ways around that 
Um, but if you take, for example, like what's going on in baseball right now is like, look at the off season, like Lorenzo Cain, like he was one of the first free agents to sign and it still took him a while. Like Alex yeah. Cobb just signed. Greg Holland hasn't signed at all. Arietta Darvish, those guys didn't get the money. Anybody like expected them to get, uh, JD Martinez didn't get the money people expected him to get. And it's because the competition for those players just wasn't there. Most teams were like, yeah, this isn't our year. So we're going to pass. And when you're that team that's punting a season or two, you're basically telling yourselves, at least, even if you're not publicly admitting it, yeah, we're in a rebuild mode. Now, the whole teardown thing means you're not doing the whole veteran thing really at all. Um, If you look at the – I had a conversation on Twitter with uh, Dan Zimborski and Aaron Levine of – Am I saying that wrong? Maybe it's Levine of um, uh, Q13 um, the other day. And um, th- the idea was um, that the Mar- like Aaron was saying, but they've tried rebuilding. Yes, but they never really did a teardown. Like that uh, payroll went from 110 million to 93 million to 90 million to 84 million, and then it started going back up. That's not a teardown. Right. You want to see a teardown? The Houston Astros went from over a hundred million to eighty-five million to sixty-three million to twenty-nine million. That, my friends, is a teardown. Oh yeah. And I, that's what the Chicago White Sox are doing. Jose Abreu will be on the trading block all year. Probably get traded by July thirty-one, if not in the off-season. Um, that's a teardown. They're doing the teardown. They, they traded Sale. They traded Quintana. They traded Eaton. Uh, Abreu will be next. There really aren't any veterans, you know, making any money on that team. The Mariners never once in their entire existence did that. They, they've never done that. I don't know that they're ever going to do it. And, you know, to, to, to kind of circle back to your uh, original question, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think it's 100% necessary, um, but I think getting most of the way there is necessary. That means um, Felix Hernandez's contract is up after 2019. That doesn't mean you can't re-sign him to a very team-friendly deal, but... Uh, you don't necessarily go out and spend big on somebody to replace him. You, you're getting to the point now where you can probably trade Robinson Cano and it makes some sense. Now, the first three or four years of that contract, um, probably not because the, the team acquiring him in any sort of trade scenario is thinking, um, okay, we don't know what he's going to be like at 35. Um, there's way too many years on this deal. That's why we didn't get involved five years ago. Um, how much are you going to give us? So of that, let, let's say at the time, you know, a couple of years ago, there was $185 million left on the deal. Maybe the Mariners would have had to have sent $80 million in cash to a team to make Robinson Cano a $15 million player instead of a $24 million player. Well, at that point, to make it worth your while in trading Robinson Cano, you're going to have to get elite talent in return. And that's just never going to happen for a 30, what, who's now a 35-year-old guy. I don't care who the 35-year-old is. You're not getting that kind of a return for him. So it, it, it really didn't make any sense to, to, to make deals like that. Now we're starting to get to a point, whether that's now or next year or somewhere in between, where the Mariners actually could make some sense of a Robinson Cano deal. Because at this point, it's going to be a little bit more about how do we trade Robinson Cano without sending tons of cash? Instead of let's worry about the return, because if you're trading Robinson Cano anytime soon, you're thinking about some sort of retool, you know, rebuild mixture, even if it's not a full teardown. So it's about clearing the contract, 
not necessarily the return you're getting. So you could trade Robinson Cano and probably get away with making him a 16, 17, 18 million dollar player over the final how much how many every years are left on that deal after this year um, and, and probably make a deal with somebody. There's probably a team or two out there that would take that and not have to send half of the money with them. Um, and I don't think that opportunity was there uh, until now. And and you may have to wait till halfway through the season or maybe even after the season to, to truly get to that point where a team's going to be willing to take that on. But if you make Robinson Cano cheap for a team, relatively cheap, why can't he do what Victor Martinez did until the age of 40? There's no reason why he can't at all. Same type of hitter, uh, better athlete, um, works just as hard, the swing is easy, doesn't rely on power, I mean, that's a guy who is his bat's going to age as well as you can expect a bat to age. And uh, uh, he works out the same way that, uh, that Nelson Cruz does. So um, it, Nelson Cruz has certainly aged pretty well going into his age 38 season. So um, it, Cano will have some uh, value, but it, there's not going to be anytime soon a full rebuild that's Every veteran is gone. Nobody's going to be making any money. You're going to have a $35 million. That's just not happening in Seattle ever. That will not happen in my lifetime. I'm 44 years old. I plan to live at least until I'm 46. So there will not be any rebuild uh, in in my lifetime. I I just, it it would shock me if they went down that road because everything else that they're doing as as a team, as an organization says, hey, look at us. And you don't draw attention to yourself if you're rebuilding. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, next one. Will three teams... Last year, two teams had over 100 wins. Do you think we can have three teams this year? Yeah, I do. I I do. Uh, The Astros, certainly one of them. The Dodgers, possible. Uh, The Nationals, possible. The Cubs, possible. The Indians, possible. So uh, it'd be probably far-fetched to say four, but I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either. There literally are four super teams and a potential fifth in the New York Yankees. Yeah, yeah that was the, the one the I talents, yeah. yeah, the talent's so incredibly mm-hmm. consolidated this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, I was always a guy growing up in the 80s and 90s that I liked watching dominant teams. Remember in college basketball, people got tired of Duke, and now you just, like, hate Duke for life because you just get tired of them. Oh, yeah. And people jump on their band. Same thing with the Yankees. You get tired of them. Well, I always, like, you know, kind of admired, like, greatness. Like, Jordan, like, making sure that Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing and Carl Malone and John Stockton never won a title was, like, one of the greatest things ever for me. I was a huge yeah. Jordan Bull. It was so, uh, so fun to watch that. Now... You'd think that if somebody like me loved watching that kind of dominance, you'd love baseball being dominated by not one team, not two teams, not even three teams, but maybe four or five teams would be interesting, but it's not. It's really not that interesting to me. So maybe that's one of the reasons why I kind of like the Mets. I kind of like the Cardinals. I like what the Twins have done. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, the Rockies have a shot to surprise some people. Maybe there's a little bit of that that goes into uh, to why I lean that way. But I don't really love the idea that we feel really confident who the six division winners are already. I've never, I don't remember yeah. a time ever where I felt that confident that those six teams were going to win the division. No, that you're right. I mean, that part's boring. <laughs> just, just like kind of knowing going in what you're gonna get. Um, I do agree with you, though. That's a great point. Like, even if you are uh, a fan of a specific team, like you can still appreciate greatness. Like, as a Seahawks fan, 
I cannot wait to see that interior rush down in LA. I think mm-hmm. that Indominus and Aaron Donald thing is just going to be insane. Does that mean that I'm a Rams fan? Absolutely not, but you can appreciate the greatness of it. Yeah. So that's actually what I like that you said about the Mets because the Mets have everything kind of on their team to be a team that could surprise and be like, well, why didn't anyone see this coming? Because they mm-hmm. have all these parts. I think the, I, I think people are expecting the injury. And it's entirely possible. It's 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 rational yeah. to think that. I think that's what's happened to them. But at some point, I think you keep that together long enough, you're going to get enough out of those guys to win more games than most expect them to win. Because all the projections out there, whether they're humans doing predictions or systems like Zips or or Steamer or ATC or whatever it is doing win loss projections, um, it, you know, it, at some point they're going to miss on predicting the injury. Because it's difficult, you know, literally impossible to predict injury, the impact of the injury, how long a player is going to be out, things of that nature. So at some point, it's just going to fall in line enough for them to win, you know, 85, 87, 90 games. And who knows, if you're the Mets and you know you're running out of time with this group, Cespedes is getting older. Uh, at some point, you're going to have to pay Noah Syndergaard uh, and Jacob deGrom. Um, you already paid Jay Bruce a little bit. Like, like you're getting to a point now where it, it's close to time to kind of break some of that up. How long is Matt Harvey going to be around? Um, you know, free agency looms for him, of course. So uh, you're going to go for it in July, right? You're, you're going to fight. You find yourselves five games out in the NL East uh, at the All-Star break, and you're right there in the wild card race. You're going to be aggressive in making deals. And that's the reason why they went out and signed a veteran first baseman like Adrian Gonzalez and have a backup plan to Adrian Gonzalez that doesn't include Dominic Smith because Dominic Smith might be their best trade bait. Um, yeah. They're going to go out and, and add to that team in July if they're in it. So they could be really aggressive and feel really good about this makes sense for us because our time is now or we got to start all over at the end of the year. So um, a little easier to predict how aggressive uh, the Mets should be and probably will be uh, during the season in terms of making deals. They could be as aggressive as the Astros were last year, even though the upside probably isn't quite as high. All righty. Love it. All right, Mariners last year had one pitcher uh, pitch more than 150 innings, which was Ariel Miranda. Do mm-hmm. you see more than one this year? How many do you think? Um, I'm going to say th- – ooh, am I really going to say four? Are you going to say four? Say I'm going to say four. <laughs> say it, Church. Take I'm going to say church. four. 150 is not a ton of innings. If you were to tell me 175, I would say two. I would say it's Mike Leak and either – Paxton, Felix, or Marco Gonzalez, but I think, I think they're going to stay just healthy enough to get 150 out of Felix, James Paxton, certainly Mike Leak, and Marco Gonzalez. How about that? Again, that. probably not a lot more than 150, but I think those four are going to get 150. Do you see Edwin Diaz losing his role as closer this year? Mm, permanently or just like temporarily like has temporarily happened. yeah probably temporarily. unfortunately uh, i'm i'm a huge fan of diaz uh, i think yeah. he has the mental makeup to actually hold down that role it's it, it's not about his mental and emotional state in the game it's about holding his del- it's physical holding his delivery together yeah. throwing strikes things of that nature that's really I'm it not a, he doesn't I'm get not, scared yeah i'm not a pitching coach but just looking at the guy's delivery where he has that little skip foot, mm-hmm. foot thing, like there's no way he can have consistency in his delivery, just the way he throws the ball. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why they moved him into a relief role because it's difficult yeah. to repeat that 50, 60, 80, 100 times a game. They were going to have to make a change there, and they just said, man, this guy's got nasty stuff. Let's just throw him in the yeah. bullpen for a while and see what happens, and he you know, he picked it up. Um, I, I like 
Diaz is the key to the, the entire Mariners bullpen. If he is as consistent for the entire season as he was the second half of his first season a couple of years ago, um, the Mariners are in pretty good shape because that sets up roles in that bullpen for Juan Nicasio, uh, James Pazos, Mark Zipchinski. But if you have a guy like Diaz struggling, then you have to move a guy like Nick Vincent or Juan Nicasio up a notch or two where they don't really belong. And, and that's one of the reasons why the David Phelps injury hurts um, quite a bit. So um, Diaz is the key to that entire bullpen. And you know who the number two key is for me is uh, uh, Dan Altavilla. Like, they need a guy to step up now yeah. because they didn't go out and get that other veteran, and now David Phelps is out for the year. They need somebody else to be the guy they hoped David Phelps was going to be. Um, and, and I think that the only real shot at that is Dan Altavilla up to 98 with his fastball. Slider was better this spring, uh, has flashed that in the past, has a chance to do it, um, but he flattens out that fastball a little bit because he's like 5'11 and a half and doesn't always finish out front. So um, there's some risk there, but if he gets consistent with that, the Mariners bullpen's in business, but it's, it really starts and ends with Edwin Diaz. And uh, that I think that's what makes the Yankees bullpen so special. Aroldis Chapman could literally disappear off planet Earth for like half the season or permanently period end of Aroldis Chapman does not exist anymore guys he doesn't exist he never existed he was a figment of our imagination that Yankees bullpen is still the best bullpen in baseball how effing crazy is that that's nuts what the hell exactly right (laughs) yeah big time WTF I mean that that deal they made with the White Sox last year where they brought over Frazier and the two bullpen guys Robertson and Canely ridiculous deal they ro- highway freaking robbery. They retooled yeah. like no one I've ever seen before. Yep. Yeah. Like, they don't need if if you were to tell me that Giancarlo Stanton disappeared off planet Earth right now, I'd be sad because I like Giancarlo Stanton. But the Yankees are still better than the Red Sox on paper. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> oh man, I have a question on a turn I'm going to throw at you because this is something that I've that I've been curious about, and I'm just waiting for someone that understands mechanics way better than me to ask. Mm -hmm. So as you've seen, and I think that Jerry DePoto maybe kind of blew this out of proportion when he said it, where he said like nine out of 10 kids are doing like a Johnny Cueto pause right now. Does that affect velocity as much as I think it would when they do the pause, when they have the leg raise? Yes, it absolutely does. Um, yeah, it, it it does. And and uh, did he really say nine out of ten kids are doing the pause? I, yeah, I just rolled my eyes at that. But yeah, it might be yeah. one out of ten, but it's too many. If you're, you're telling yeah. me that ten percent of kid, I mean, and you do see a lot. But I've seen a lot of college baseball this year, um, and I haven't seen one college kid do it. So I think it's mostly happening with the kids that are you know class of twenty. 20, 2021, 20, 2022 that are coming up 14, 15, 16, 17 years old um, that are in high school or, or even pre-high school right now that are doing it because it helps. Um, pitching at that level is about throwing strikes more than anything else. And whatever you can do at that age to repeat your delivery, make it easier for you to throw strikes, stay in rhythm, right. stay in line to the plate, then you're, you're generally encouraged to do that. Um, if I were right. a, a, a middle school or a high school age coach right now, I had a 14, 15-year-old kid that was doing that, and I thought he had a chance to play D1 baseball and ultimately get drafted somewhere, um, mm-hmm. I would make that change as soon as possible. If it's, yeah, cause it's, if it's just a kid, I'm not worried about it. Isn't the thing – so this is my understanding, like listening to like fan graphs and stuff like that, is that 
you know, they like the velocity because there's room for air there. Mm. They're really pitching hard. So if they're doing this pause and taking off the velocity, like they're they're risking career potential if they're if they're going for just like timing, right? Right, absolutely. So yeah. if the kid had a chance to play at D one or even be drafted, if I'm a high school coach, I'm I'm changing that. I'm taking it out. I'm removing it and finding another way to allow him to throw strikes or con- and, and convincing him that that's the right thing to do is usually the tough part. Um, right. But, you know, finding another way for him to uh, accomplish what he believes he's accomplishing with that, whatever that is. Um, you have to get inside yeah. the kid's head a little bit. Um, but sometimes it's really hard to convince, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids even, let alone 14, 15-year-olds to do something different. Although it, it's probably more difficult um, with an 18, 19 year old, because they sometimes think they know everything. Um, yeah. like Alex Jackson, the former Mariner draft pick, uh, didn't want to listen to anybody. Um, so, uh, it, yeah, I, I think that's a change you make if there's a long-term future. Um, because it, it, yeah, it, it, generally you're going to lose velocity, uh, because it basically it literally robs you of your momentum. You're, exactly. you're, you're slowing down and or stopping in the middle of it. Um, it's like standing yeah. flat-footed versus actually getting your body into it. It's, it's you know, very similar. Yeah, and it's, it, I mean, Aaron made the, the comparison to a pendulum, which I think is perfect, mm-hmm. but also just, um, you know, it feels like when, when you do bring in that pause and you're trying to affect timing, that's more of a late-stage career move mm-hmm. rather than trying to, like, grow with it. Or if you're a guy like Hisashi Wakuma, who after the first five years of his career, he was about deception, and he knew he could yeah. still throw 87 to 90 w- without, you know, without the full um, momentum. Um, then you do whatever you got to do. Um, he was yeah. command and feel and deception and, and movement and changing his speeds. Um, but if you're Masahiro Tanaka, um, you got to find a way to, to make sure you throw hard enough. Because um, while I have pretty good off-speed stuff, if I'm Masahiro Tanaka, my command isn't as good, and I don't have as many off-speed pitches to go to on a regular basis to keep hitters honest. So I need to throw 92, 93, 94. So if, but if you, can, if, if you can still do that, if you're telling me there's a 15, 16-year-old kid out there who you know, maxes out at 90 miles an hour, and even when he gets on the mound, does that stop and still throws 90 miles an hour? I'd want to do some experiments. How hard can he throw without that little hesitation? And it, whatever that difference is, uh, is it enough for me to take that away from him at this particular point? Right. Love it. All right, you ready for some really random questions? With Actually, two of them are random. One of them is not random. Sure. Uh, first away. random Let's question, which hydro wins <laughs> the most races this year? Do you got red, green, or yellow? There's only three? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't pay attention to that stuff. I apologize. So, um, but I know I obviously know what you're talking about because I've been to a sporting event in America. Um, <laughs> they're everywhere, right? Shit like that. It's everywhere. Yeah. They have. I wish like they would. I wish they would retire the bootleg Pixar bullshit. Get some people in some fucking large costumes and have them sprinting on the goddamn field. I love field. that one. That's my favorite. Yeah. They're just the Pixar bullshit's got to go. I think we should start another petition. Let's get the World Baseball Classic moved to October yes. and get some real people in Pixar character costumes. Yes. Logging and right now. James Paxton's nickname shouldn't be Big Maple, but Syrup. So or Bird. Or Bird. <laughs> Petitions. Bird Syrup? <laughs> bird Syrup. Bird Syrup. Oh, that's, that's fucking money. Bird Syrup. <laughs> 
Oh, oh man. I'm changing the name of this pod to Bird Syrup. Right? It's going to take an hour and 53 minutes for people to get the joke. Okay, now the chances James Paxson <laughs> ever hears this are slim to none. But if James, if you ever happen to hear any portion of this podcast, I'm sorry. Yes. The Maple yes. Grove will turn into a bunch of people in bird costumes covered in syrup, and I'm going to love it. And I'm yes. going to love it. I love it. All right, awesome. this is this is a question I always love to ask anyone that's a baseball fan. Favorite non-Safeco MLB park? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, Camden is pretty cool. Uh, there's a lot of history there, although it's been 15 years since I've been there. Um, Cal Ripken was always my favorite player growing up. So uh, Camden Yards was uh, special to me for uh, multiple reasons. It's a very cool place. Um, I, I, I would probably say AT&T. Um, and here's the catch. I've never actually seen a game there. I actually yeah. went to a wedding there. My buddy Joe Kaiser, who works at ESPN, lives down in the Bay Area. He got married in 2005, I think it was, 2005 or 2006, at AT&T Park. And I was like, holy crap, this place is amazing. So it's full beautiful. disclosure, I've never seen a game there, but it's it's great. Yeah, I've been to a few just because one of my my company's headquarters is in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and that's like an easy team-building event. And, man, those right field bleachers, whoo, yeah. you get the views of the bridge, and, like, they'll do fireworks in the summer. Mm-hmm. It's 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 unbelievable. I'm really looking forward to whenever this trip is going to be. I don't know to go to PNC Park in Pittsburgh because um, I keep being told that's the one that I'm missing. That's one I really desperately want to go yeah. see as well. Yeah, actually, in Aaron Road and I's first episode of this podcast, we decided to set up like a GoFundMe for people to pay for that trip for us <laughs> to that park. So awesome! We've gotten yeah. nothing. We've gotten <laughs> zero dollars and zero cents, I believe. <laughs> Uh, um, and and just to kind of do kind of a, a we have two questions for you final ones one of them is based off a segment that we have which is what are you doing where we just connect with each other and see what we're like watching on TV mm-hmm. whatever the case maybe a good movie you've seen what are you doing right now like what TV have you watched recently that you enjoyed what movie have you seen that you enjoyed any any type of hobby like that tell us about it oh boy um, I'm kind of boring here I work a lot um, uh, Aaron mm-hmm. can uh, uh, shed some light on that. I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to do this uh, at first because just crap is so crazy. Um, moving uh, my office at work is moving also. Um, but um, I did just start watching um, a show with my wife last night called, uh, I think it's called The Terror on AMC. It's about the uh, um, the Northwest Passage and some weird supernatural shit's going on. So I actually just started watching that, and it wasn't terrible. So that's what I'm giving a shot right now. Big fan of The uh, the Americans on FX. It's one of my favorite shows. Nice. Um, I generally stay away from you know network TV, to be honest with you, other than that. Um, was a big fan of... Uh, like Dexter and Homeland, the first four seasons yeah. or so, uh, things Dexter. like that. But uh, I don't really get the opportunity to try a lot of uh, a lot of new shows, um, which which. So sucks. you won't be on next week to talk about the Roseanne reboot with us. You know what though? <laughs> I did watch that last night. I good? swear yeah. to God, I did actually watch that last night, and it was, again wasn't great, but wasn't terrible either. And I did laugh a couple of times. Nice. Yeah. So, I, I you know what though the the part I don't like, by the way, and I know you guys are going to talk about this next week. I don't like how they used Sarah Chalk in it. Just I, I don't want to give anything away. You guys can talk about it next week, but that was a little lame. I didn't like that. 
Okay. Yeah. I don't know if we'll talk about it next week, but I mean, oh. I, 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 I'll watch it now just so I know what that's in reference to. Right. But I have no yeah. idea what that's in reference to. Yeah. Did you watch the original, Aaron? You may be too young. No, you kept texting me because I was talking about buying a house, and you. I found out later. No, this is great. Tell him the fucking story. <laughs> this is what I might find this I actually work. don't even know the city name. Okay, so Lanford. obviously, yeah, so you're familiar with the original premise sure. and all that. So he was looking for houses, and I was like, you should look at this one. And I gave him the address of Roseanne's house, and I was like, there's a plastic factory there. It's really nice. And just like all the shit, I forget like what I did. But he was like, I can't find the fucking house. And then he finally like found the house. He's like, this is in Indiana. What the fuck are you talking about? It was, it was a great afternoon. Oh, that is beautiful. Oh, that's pretty good, yeah. man. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was good. Um, and here's a here's a final question for all of us, and we always do a fan question. This is from Package Man for Real on Twitter, mm-hmm. and he said, uh, "What would your accessories be if you had an action figure made of yourself?" Wow, it's a accessories. I would definitely want at least one or both of my dogs, and then I think I'd probably go with like a steel chair. You know, like what? a wrestling action figure. You know, they got the steel chairs, so I could be I could be beating up your action figures with them. I think I'd go with that. <laughs> oh shit! Okay. You need a title belt, though. Then you need a title belt true. so people understand and a bandana of some be sort. Like two or three accessories, but I I would do a title belt as well. I think I'd probably do a backpack and a hat. If we're gonna go Damn. crazy. Yeah, you, you, here's what I would do. I, because Aaron's apparently going to attack me uh, in, in action figure land, um, I need something <laughs> with you know to, to, something that's going to keep weapons. But I, I'm going to have to do it with speed because Aaron's a bigger, stronger guy than I am. So, um, And not a backpack. I'm going to wear a fanny pack um, that, that has some, some weapons, and I'm not going to tell you what weapons, but they're going to have some weapons in there. And um, I'm going to need some sort of like prote- – I'm going to wear like a batting helmet or something. I'm going to get a, a metal chair across my head so my action figure would be me in a a freaking batting helmet with the mouth guard like mitch hanniger has with the mouth guard and a fanny pack that's going to definitely gonna be one accessory because i'm going to need to go in and out with weapons because i'm gonna have to do this like quickly i don't want to get like tied up by Aaron. how did this action figure question turn into me fighting aaron i i I (laughs) damn you're violent here I was the aggressor. So you're going to have a John Olerud game-worn helmet, and you're going to have a Mitch Hanniger game-worn mouthpiece. Well, actually, I want the helmet that Hanniger has that that has the mouth protection. Oh, there you go. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The jawline thing. Yes. Yes. I got to have that because, you know, I'm going to be talking smack, and you're going to want to hit me right in the mouth. I got a steel chair. I'm coming for you. You got a steel chair. Yeah. So, boy, what else could I use? Accessory or weapon? Like, like I feel like the question has changed because of Aaron's aggression here. It's an accessory. I could want to hit people. I could want to sit down for a little bit. Okay. Then um, I want a, uh, an official Indiana Jones whip. Oh, you so you can keep your distance. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. That's very smart. I like that. Yeah. This is all good. Chris, what, are you, is, what I just, are you working with? I think I want some rice cakes, some Zevia soda. <laughs> Who are you? You're just going to sit and watch <laughs> me and Churchill just take each yeah. other apart? And I'm going to wear khaki shorts and a white t-shirt and no shoes or socks. And I'm going to have a log with me for not abuse, but just to sit on and look up at you guys while I eat my snack. I will accept that as an answer if it's okay that I don't accept that as an answer. It's not my show. Um, <laughs> as long as you're willing to be tagged in for at least 10 or 15 seconds at a time. 
That's fine. Yeah, he's faster That's fine. than I am. He's lost all that. And weight. I actually met with Vince McMahon, and we went over wrestling personas for me at one point. So That is oh. true. That is a callback that no one's going to remember. You've told that story before? Yes. Mm. I've told right. that story before. All right. All right. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. This was incredible. Aaron and I were geeked out the entire time, and I know you didn't have to do this, but we definitely are grateful. Yeah, thank that you, you that was so much, man. This has been great. Yeah. Anytime, awesome. guys. Do you want to? Anytime. Do you want to? Do you want to promote anything? Nah, you know, not nah, not your yeah. podcast, Bumfuzzle. Check it out. Right? Yeah, people who already listen, Beautiful. keep checking it out. But check yes. check out all your work on prospectinsider.com and Hero Sports as well. Yep, Baseball Things Podcast. Um, Yep, I uh, I am not the guy that lives in the White House, so you know, keep your tweets to yourself. <laughs> Wait, is there a guy who lives in the White House with your name? No, but there's just a dude that lives in the White House. That's all. Oh, I know. okay. Yeah, just God, wanted I'm to make dumb. sure that you know people understood that I'm I not him. Am stupid. I'm a dumb guy. <laughs> the politics episode will be next week. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody. Sounds good. All right. All right. Sweet. <laughs> Talking, see you next time for the challenge of the talking. No more chatting, no more chatting, see you next time for the challenge of the talking. No more chatting, no more chatting, see you next time for the challenge of the talking. No more chatting, no more chatting, see you next time for the challenge of the talking. No more chat